All right, we are back on the mania of WrestleMania. This time we're talking the rise and fall of the Ultimate Warrior, Manias 6 and 7. I am joined by the punchy pugilist, Baron Von Awesome, a.k.a. Pat Mullen. How do you do, sir? Stay buff, everybody. That's right. Looking swole, Pat. Looking like Terry Crews over there. He is. He is. <laughs> buff. And from our Canadian office, uh, managing the geese and the maple syrup, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Canada. Yes, Toronto Sky Dome. It's Chris Bailey. Correct. How do you do, sir? Emotions high, emotions low, emotions everywhere in between. Kingdom of the madness is cracked in half. Oh, good. What I like about where this is going is the dueling savage promos I'm going to be subjected to between the two. Oh. Take the promo into a <laughs> nosedive, Mark Radulich. <laughs> All right, so our last show, uh, Chris, you weren't able to make it. Uh, we talked about Manias 4 and 5, and uh, Pat and I kind of reached the conclusion, as many have, it wasn't like startling to anyone, that was probably the best storytelling the WWE has ever done, like, like ever. It's like peak WWE, and, you know, WrestleMania 6 moves back, and since uh, WrestleMania 3 moves back into a stadium, you know, the Toronto Sky Dome. They pr I was telling Pat, I wish that they had not reverse things, but I, I wish they'd only done one year at Trump Plaza because WrestleMania five really needed to be in a stadium. Uh, and WrestleMania six is sort of like the, the, the making up for that. It's like, okay, we know we should have done this a year earlier when, you know, when we were at our peak, but we'll do it now. And I guess the thought at the time was, well, things can only get better, right? We'll pass the torch to, to the ultimate warrior. Hogan will go do movies and it'll all work out. It doesn't work out. <laughs> um boy you're not wrong no no and so what we're going to document tonight is one how we got from hogan to hogan passing the torch to the ultimate warrior and then we'll touch on what happened with the warrior pat and i did a deep dive on this a couple years ago we re-aired it last during last year's wrestlemania where we looked at the ultimate warriors title run and all the things that went wrong with that and then we rebooked it the way it should have gone pat you just want to do like 50 words or less kind of summing that up uh, lame duck rehash challengers that we'd already seen. Not a lot of growth as a performer from Warrior didn't help. Uh, this thing called a federal injunction against anabolic steroids didn't help. <laughs> Lots of factors in there that really kind of weren't Jim's fault. A little bit that was not a great time. And while we'll wait till the next episode to discuss uh, Warrior getting fired at uh, SummerSlam um, after him and Hogan had teamed up. Uh, this is, you know, WrestleMania 7 is kind of the beginning of the end for Warrior. And so we'll talk about that tonight. So let's get into it. Pat, after WrestleMania 5, Hogan's got the title back from Savage. And we're building towards SummerSlam. But a thing that we actually talked about at uh, WrestleMania, I believe it was earlier this year, was a little movie that Hogan was shooting, Hither and Thither. And you can kind of break down the details of this. When did Hogan leave to shoot No Holds Barred? That was between WrestleMania 4 and SummerSlam of 1988. Okay. And No Holds Barred comes out when, rough, uh, comparatively to WWE pay-per-views? June of 1989. So between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Okay. So, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. The sum total of the No Holds Barred experience for Hogan is somebody, and maybe you know who, maybe you don't, thought it was a great idea to get actor extraordinaire Tiny Lister Jr., who played Zeus, to come on board the WWE train in, 
let's have a feud with Hulk Hogan and you know they're savage. You know the pickle in the middle between uh, Hogan and Zeus. But that's right. our our feud going into SummerSlam. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, go go ahead, Chris. Let's be fair to Zeus here. Hogan has fought much worse than Zeus. Let's be fair. Um, <laughs> really? This, yes, Bundy. Holy shit. Like Zeus uh, is Zeus is Luthez compared to Bundy. I'm telling oh, you right now. Get the fuck out of here. He is so. And listen, listen, he can do better promos, even though he only said, I will destroy. No, you. My favorite, my favorite thing of any Zeus promo is that he always said, Beefcake, Baba. Baba. <laughs> Yes, good old. Do you know? Uh, do you, know do you want? Do you want a, a Zeus fun fact? I was gonna say good old George, George Hardy or whatever it was. The other guy said, "Yes, go ahead, Zeus facts." Zeus actually toured all over the place for No Holds Barred, like in arenas, showing up and literally just doing a promo. So he showed up in Newfoundland, where I live, mm -hmm. just to do a promo on Hulk Hogan, despite Hogan not even being in, in the hemisphere of Saint John's, Newfoundland. <laughs> Great. And it, it, it was the exact promo that you're thinking. Beefcake Baba, Hawk Hogan, I will destroy you. Slap, eyes goes crossed, done. So so many celebrities from other walks of life not understanding how Mark they... Wahlberg stole that move, though, for fear? Did he get it from Zeus? <laughs> <laughs> Who struggled I with the so. English language and names. Anyway, so Pat, um, we're, 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 yeah, we're building towards SummerSlam 89 here, and it's a tag match between Brutus Baba uh, and Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage and the new terror of the WWE, Zeus. Uh, on that same card, we have the Warrior regaining his Intercontinental title from Rick Rude. Um, to talk to me about, first, the, the Zeus-Hogan-Savage fiasco. So... They had a plan to do a full pay-per-view match of Hogan and Zeus. It's even rumored that that was supposed to be the initial WrestleMania six main event. Okay. They got Tiny Lister in, worked out with them, kind of figured this is not going to work, especially with how they wanted to have Zeus work, as in the mm -hmm. movie. That can work in a movie setting. It's not going to work when he actually has to go out in front of a live audience on television and have to do the same thing. No matter how easy it is to have a match with Hogan, which it's really easy to have a match with Hulk, Follow the follow the dance, and he'll do his part and guide you through. Um, we'll talk about that with the warrior. Um, but they just at a certain point figured this guy cannot do this. We have to we have to window dress this up a little bit. So they decided that they were going to pair him with a top working heel. Of course, Hogan had just worked the program with Randy Savage. They were still making money on the house show circuit together while this is going on. So let's have Randy bring in Zeus as the equalizer as his partner to Hogan. And Hogan's going to need backup. Let's get his best friend. Why not? Let's give Brutus a payday. There's nobody more over than Brutus. Right. Um, like I said, meanwhile. Uh, so but what's funny about this is this is going to go like all year. You know, later on in the year, they're going to do No Holds Barred, the match, the movie. Um, just a real quick tangent, Chris. Do you know why they waited so long? Like that? that's like after Survivor Series. Why they waited so long to do the match, the movie? I think the idea was to to tour on the um, the house shows, was it not, Pat? I'm pretty certain that they had a plan that uh, that they were going to have Zeus do an entire tour. So there, I think there were supposed to be extra layers to this entire storyline that I don't think they ever got to on TV or mm -hmm. on house shows, to be honest with you. So I think the idea and the booking, the, the idea was already booked. And mm -hmm. I think, like Pat said, there was a lot of stuff that, they had in their mind to build towards like right on, even right on to WrestleMania six that they just pulled the plug on. So this is okay. sort of a, a short-term build 
that that literally got its knees cut out from an under it. There is also the not failure, but no holds barred didn't perform anywhere near what they were hoping for at the box office. No, um, no matter how you, that each of us saw it and, <laughs> and they own it to this day. Um, I was there opening but, weekend with five people with my dad. That was my yeah. birthday party that year. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it didn't perform up to expectations. So at the time, kids, there was a revenue for movies called pay-per-view where after, you know, six months or so, a movie would show up available to order in your home. Mm-hmm. And that's how you had to wait for movies to come out. If you didn't see it in the theaters, you had to wait for it to show up on pay-per-view or on VHS, maybe four months before that. I think um, it ended up on super tape too, didn't it? Where was it? Super. It tape? was the main event of the first super tape, the match, but also they did a, the pay-per-view like Mark talked about the match, the movie mm-hmm. in an effort to try to boost pay-per-view sales for it, to try to get some revenue back on the movie that they had lost in the interim. And I remember one particular Monday night raw in 1997, uh, TBS used to do movies for guys who like movies and they would tie it in with the Turner wrestling program, which is WCW. So they were showing no holds barred starring Hulk Hogan. Well, raw made a reference to that. And Vince said, I remember Hogan telling me that if that movie didn't turn a profit, that he'd write me the check for it. I guess the checks in the mail, pal. I actually do remember that line <laughs> anyway. Nice. So, um, transitioning, uh, out of SummerSlam, like I said, Rick Rude at WrestleMania five beats, the warrior for the intercontinental title and they have their rematch at SummerSlam. Chris, just any thoughts on the rematch here and the warrior getting his title back? Oh no, listen, uh, rude and warrior were, were great. If anyone pulled a great match of the ultimate warrior it was definitely Rick rude. And, uh, you know, that WrestleMania five match never, ever sat well with me with that Bobby Heenan grabbing the leg. And mm. you know what, you know, what's interesting about that WrestleMania five match that is so edited on that VHS tape. You would not believe it. There are so many blown spots that are taken up. There's one in particular, and you can only find it. It's even off the WWE Network. It's on the the Ultimate Warrior original VHS tape. It shows Ultimate Warrior. He goes to pick him up into just a regular body slam. He trips and stumbles, falls all the way across the ring, and Rude falls out of the ring. It is absolutely atrocious. But listen, that SummerSlam match, Warrior getting the title back, was super hot, man. And I'm telling you, SummerSlam was on an upward upward sling at that point, and I loved every second of that. How much do you... How much blow Warrior do you think Rude did? How much blow do you think Rude did after WrestleMania five to kind of get over having to work with the Warrior? Man, God, <laughs> God bless that guy, man. He was he was making his he was earning that paycheck. It's important Holy to talk God. about the SummerSlam match because this is the beginning of Warrior's road to WrestleMania six. That's why we're bringing it up. All right, so moving on to Survivor Series eighty nine. So this was a weird one. Uh, it's a it's a six match card, and the Hulk Hogan team. Uh, he had a team of himself, Jake Roberts, and Demolition, and they took on Ted DiBiase's team of the Warlord, the Barbarian, and Zeus. Uh, again, they they just had a crowd of people around Zeus, you know, to protect him and try to make him look as as good as possible. But your main event for the Survivor Series, Pat, was the Ultimate Warriors team, and it was the Warrior, Jim Neinhart, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty, the Rockers, versus the Heenan family of Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, Haku, and Arn Anderson. And so I have a couple of questions about that for you. One, um, I mean, you and I talked about this offline, but for the people, uh, they were testing the waters for Warrior as a main eventer here, weren't they? Absolutely. You know, the mantra for every show is Hogan must pose, but Hogan kind of goes on mid, mid-level mid of the pay-per-view at this point, which is an old house show formula. They always used to do the main event right before the intermission and then have an intermission and then have three, four matches after that. This is kind of almost going back to that formula, but at the same time, they want to see how Warrior does with closing the show and what the reaction is going to be of the people. 
because your live audience is really the test audience you're looking at at that point. You're not hearing what people at home on pay-per-view are saying when Warrior closes the show. If the live arena is still hot for Warrior at the end of the show, then you know he's got something. There's something there that people want to see and are willing to pay for and wait and hold out to see. So it was a big test to put him in that spot. And granted, it's, it's tag team formulas. It's not necessarily Warrior closing the show solo against Andre or anything like that. But it's, it's a litmus test in a lot of ways. And at this point, he did pretty good with it. Who was he on the house show loop between um, some, uh, August and November? Because, I mean, this would lead me to believe that this is when he was doing the matches with Andre the Giant. But for the life of me, I can't play. Like, when you watch the um, some of these Warrior retrospectives that they've done since they made up, um, like, I know early on he was doing the Weasel Suit matches with Heenan, and I can't place when those, those were. And then he had a run with, with Andre. So straighten me out, Pat. When was when? Weasel suit matches are basically post WrestleMania for a lot of okay. summer '88 time. Um, mm -hmm. the, the Andre series is basically end of end of summer '89 through like winter of '89 okay. uh, through through that loop. So that's why we're doing these two teams because he's feuding with Andre the Giant essentially on the house show loop. Yes. All right. Um, and so Bailey, do, to your recollection, how well was Warrior received in this main event spot at Survivor Series? I think it depended on the market. I mean, uh, Warrior had a big following here in Canada. I can tell you that. So, you know, mm -hmm. he was selling out shows here, no problem at all. And uh, But I guess that wasn't the case because, you know, even some of the Andre matches, they weren't really selling out. So, I mean, they had a little bit of a glut when it came to that. So if Hogan wasn't on the show, uh, I mean, Warrior was a suitable replacement, but they weren't sellouts. So I, I know the first time the, uh, I think it was, I think it was the first um, Warrior Andre match did pretty well, but I don't think the uh, the follow ups really really made cash. I don't know. All right, so just we'll touch on this very very briefly here because it, it it did happen. This is the match, the movie. Uh, this takes place in December, and the only thing that aired was Hogan and Beefcake in a rematch with Randy Savage and Zeus. This time in a steel cage, like you do. But earlier on here, and I think infinitely more interesting to me is the beginning of the Ultimate Warrior Dino Bravo feud. And I'll tell you, how is that more interesting? <laughs> it Plus, is to me. Says, says the Canadian. <laughs> Jesus. God, like, I remember watching the dark side of the ring on Dino Bravo. And like, you you would think this guy, you would think it was going to be him in the main event of WrestleMania, the way they were pushing him. But he, they, they, they definitely, they definitely used him to set up Warrior for the next step to be Hogan. You know, this is Warrior's sort of early uh, 1990 feud here. Um, they kind of use Dino Bravo as like jobber to the stars, Chris, you know, and, and they, and like I said, they definitely, he, he was the guy they decided was going to prep warrior for his run at Hogan. I don't know how odd of a choice that is. I, I know like he's all over these next two like WrestleManias and, you know, he's, he gets tons of TV time to the point where like when it all just sort of bottoms out on him, I was kind of surprised. I mean, we know what the background is now after watching dark side of the ring, but yeah, like they they framed him early on, like he was going to be the next big superstar. Oh well, they, listen, they had the whole bench press challenge. He was the guy mm -hmm. who introduced introduced Earthquake. They always had something going on with Bravo. I mean, he was the guy who replaced uh, Baba in the uh, in the Dream Team. <laughs> you know, they they always had something going on with them, and like right until. Believe it or not, Dino Bravo was in the WWE for or WWF for a long time. He even had a face run right at the very end where he he did his hair black. Yeah, and he appeared at some house shows, and nobody even knew this guy was still in the promotion. 
But this guy kept going and going and going. So listen, he had what? he had an, he had an intercontinental title match on primetime wrestling with Bret Hart at a point where I didn't know Dino was still with the company and they advertised Bret Hart. I was like, Dino Bravo, where's he been? And then he came out with the brown hair and you know the, the black tights, like looking like younger baby face Dino Bravo, just puffed up. And it was like, oh wow, hey, it's Dino. And and to your point, Mark, you're talking about what kind of a you know package is this with the warrior? Well, it's an awful package. Let's be fair. I mean, <laughs> you 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 go from Rick Rude or even Andre the Giant, who basically was only selling maybe three clotheslines and a splash. Then you go to Dino Bravo, who at this point is completely immobile with the amount of mass that this guy put on him. There so is a inverted atomic drops. Pat and I talked about this in 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 the de uh, defense of the Ultimate Warrior. There was a lot of what would look good on television not looking good on television. <laughs> not but Dino like, Bravo. But that's the thing. It was like, you look at Dino Bravo and the Ultimate Warrior, you're like, yeah, this is what wrestling should be. The problem is a lot of these guys were so bulky and so, you know, and so puffy from working out that... Uh, <laughs> the Ico Pro. The Ico Pro. Yeah, the Ico Pro, sure. Um, that, that you're right. They couldn't move. And so, you know, Warrior, we were talking about like Pat Warrior needed to be paired up with more guys more like... Mr. Perfect or Arn Anderson or, you know, Haku guys that can right. like walk him through a match and kind of cover for his immobility, not someone equally as immobile or unable to construct a proper match, but boy, do they look good walking out to the ring together. Hot dog. <laughs> that was it. Uh, then the bell rang. And then the bell rang. Uh, so, all right. Our March to WrestleMania six begins in earnest with these two, the warrior and Hogan at the Royal rumble pat. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, the uh, Hulkling will ultimately win the Royal Rumble in what I thought was an odd choice, given all that's going to happen. But uh, they have an interaction. Talk to me about that interaction in the Royal Rumble. Hogan and Warrior at this point have never been in the ring at the same time together, let alone had a physical confrontation. And they're very clearly 1 and 1A at this point. It's not 1 and 2. It's 1 and 1A with the people at this point in time. Um, so there, there's, you know, Warriors in the Rumble, and he's clearing house, whatever. And then Hogan comes out, and little by little, they start clearing the ring of everybody around them. It's the same formula they kind of had at certain points with Hulk and Andre, where, like, Hulk and Andre in that Battle Royal on Saturday night's main event we talked about, everybody kind of cleared out of the way, and we're like, oh, let's see these two go. Whereas at this point, it's not really the same as much as they're making each guy look possibly even stronger by just little by little dumping guys over the top. We're throwing out Jimmy Snuka. We're throwing out, you know, one of the rockers. We're throwing out this guy. And then it comes down to just those two in the ring. And it's like, whoa. And you can literally, on the unedited Royal Rumble VHS, where the hard camera is facing them, it starts to shake because people in the arena in Orlando are rumbling. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to see this. I didn't think we were ever going to see this, but we're going to see this. The beauty and part of it, Pat, you're exactly right. There's a build. Like, you, you almost get to see the fans take a breath, and then you hear, like, the vibration, like, it's unbelievable. What a moment. Yeah. And you, 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 you don't, they don't do a lot, but you don't have to do a lot when you have oh. that. There, there's some clotheslines. There's a double down. There's a crisscross. And eventually people start coming back into the ring and filtering in again just to give you a little tease of, wow, what would happen if these guys really crossed paths? Uh, and, yeah. they, and again, to their credit, because they had that separation, that build, they want to hear how the audience is going to react. Do they pop louder when Hogan hits a clothesline? Do they pop louder when Warrior hits a clothesline? Do they boo either guy a little more audibly? So um, at the conclusion of this, uh, Warrior is eliminated by, I believe, Hogan, 
Barber and there's a third person there. I've moved on from that page, but warrior. So it's so funny because warrior doesn't react to anything. Warrior just kind of keeps being warrior. And even though he's been eliminated from the Royal Rumble, has no visible reaction to it. He's, to just, he's just running in circles like, eh, okay, Sarah, Sarah. Um, you know, no, I'm going to get you, Hogan. No, you know, throw, you know, and nothing. Just, oh, well, I'm the warrior. And off he goes. Strange choice. I don't know how much of that is Jim Helwig just can't get out of his own goddamn way psychologically or how much of it is Vince like just no sell everything. Who knows? Um, we have two uh, Saturday Night's main event slash the main events that lead into WrestleMania, just as we did with WrestleMania Five. These are weird, Chris and Pat, and and I and I, and I need to talk about this. This is this is the Mark Talks segment. They book <laughs> Warrior like a fucking asshole going into WrestleMania Six. They really do. They did. They did. They turn him heel basically. They, okay, good. I'm He's glad very heelish. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys picked up on that too. Like, this is the guy you want, like, kids to cheer and buy his merchandise, and you want to pass the torch to him. They every short of him punching a baby in the crowd, they booked him so badly. So, okay, so the first thing, Chris, is a tag team between, uh, and this might be my most favorite thing ever: uh, Togan and Warrior versus the Genius Lanny Poffo and Mister Perfect. And uh, it doesn't go. It, they win the match, but it does not go well. Chris, tell me about that real quick. Uh, where, which one are we talking about here now? Is this Hogan War and Warrior? Hogan and Warrior versus Poffo and Perfect. Right. So, so basically, you know, you're just setting the stage. You know, you, you this is the age-old formula of mm -hmm. the uh, the Hulk Hogan split that you're seeing here. You know what I mean? This formula has been recycled over and over and over and over again, and it's just one of these things where. Like, like you get the warrior who's completely incensed here. Him and mm -hmm. him and Hogan are having a little bit of conflict inside the ring. Like they're they're gelling. They're sort of not gelling. They to make the tag. They're slapping each other. This type, this type of thing. You know what I mean? In the end, they come out the victors. But all of a sudden, you're like, hold on a second here. Right. You know this this uh, and warrior was a cloud is a the whole time. Warrior was an the whole time bag the entire match. He's the one who starts with the with the asshole tags. We'll call them. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Basically, like if you have two guys fighting for the starting quarterback job and they're, you're at practice together and you're not you're not hostile, but it's always the one's going to try to shake the other one's hand a little harder than the other one. One's going to stand on his tiptoes in front of the other one. The other one's going to be like, oh, not a great hair day for it. Yeah. There's a lot of that in mm -hmm. the match, which is fun. And uh, they, hit, they hit each other with a clothesline, that type of thing, well, accidentally. There, well, there, yeah, well, there's there's the part where Warrior's just going nuts. He's clotheslining Henny, clotheslining Lanny, clotheslining and then – Hogan, like an idiot, tries to grab a frenzied man from behind. Like he's not going to get just boom, laid out, right. which he does. And then Warrior doesn't realize it at first. He's like, oh, damn, that's my partner. And then the most odd, like, check on him ever. Like, if Warrior isn't supposed to be, like, part prehistoric man, because I don't know how. I, rather than, like, drop to him, he'd be like, hey, all right. He's slapping him. He's grabbing him by the back of the neck. Like, <laughs> he's just smacking. Like, yeah. like, hey, 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 come back to me. It's like. He's just, she's your sister. She's just, yes. <laughs> she's your daughter. It's she's true. your sister and your daughter. <laughs> this is that bad. Yeah. And they're like grabbing him by the throat, like, get up, get up. What are you doing? <laughs> get, get up, Hogan, get up. Get up. And, and that was so yeah. funny. Yeah. And then also just want to underscore Kurt Henning is amazing. Just watch the match. Kurt Henning is amazing. Well, um, he, he, cre he creates the movement in the entire match. Literally, he's <laughs> yeah. bouncing from pillar to post for both these guys. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun to go back and see, especially with with, with eyes that have watched wrestling for as long as they have, to watch Perfect bounce like speedball, Chris, 
for everybody he ever wrestled. He throws himself from pillar to post. I mean, it almost makes the Shawn Michaels nonsense with Hulk Hogan look normal. He's that he's I mean it's but I mean it's more believable, but he's that ridiculous. He he gets a punch and bounces all the way to Kentucky from wherever he is. It's so funny to watch. And, and like effortless. Like there's one part Hogan sends him into the corner, Hogan runs in and hits him with a big elbow smash in the court where he's sandwiched in and somehow finds a way to turn and go over the top to the floor, not hitting anything on the way to the floor. And it just looks yeah. perfect. So that's part one. Okay. And part two, and we and we do need to compare this to, to the Bullet of the Five, but let's get there. So part two of this is the next, it's the main event. And both Hogan and Warrior have singles matches, but the whole thing here is, if I remember the order right, Hogan's getting a beat down in his match. And the Warrior, uh, I believe, comes out to save him. Later on, Warrior's getting a beat down in his match. And when Hogan comes out to save him, again, Warrior's an asshole about it. He's like, don't save me. I was fine. Like, this is not a way to get kids. He was kids fine. The earthquake was just perched on the second rope about to drop on him. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, so again, the, and and that's it. That's your lead into WrestleMania 6. Like, you're like, oh my God, I have to see this much. I'm sweating with enthusiasm. Let us compare. There's 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 one interaction though that's, that's mm-hmm. we don't we didn't bring up. There's one. Oh my God. So there's an episode of Superstars, which of course is not on the network. Yeah, so they, yeah. That and, yeah. I, they showed this at WrestleMania Six. Go ahead. Yeah. So Hogan's in the middle of getting jumped by Shock, Earthquake, and Dino Bravo. Like these guys have nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> That's what I mean, man. Superstar yeah. Dino Bravo. Yeah. And uh, then you know Hogan's in the middle of it. Warrior comes out, hits a clothesline, clears the ring. He runs and he's about to clothesline Hogan, and then stops. And he's like, "You could." There's like the second thought twinge. Like, I could. Yeah, and then as Should he's moving it over, Hogan turns around and well, what are you doing, brother? Like, you know. <laughs> we can't so, we can't talk about this build unless we talk about those promos headed in where the ultimate warrior went completely demonic. Okay. I mean, he's I, doing promos. Go I, ahead. I want to talk about that, but I but I have to compare because this is important. Because there because because I have to stress this is supposed to be a turning point for the WWE. Last year was peak, right? This is peak popularity. It's, it should only, in their eyes, going back to uh, 8990, it should only get better from here on in, right? We, we now have a formula for to print money. And so the buildup to Hogan and Savage is Savage paranoid that Hogan's going to bang his wife and take his title. Okay? <laughs> That's it. Jim's That's the story. Jim's okay with that, apparently. <laughs> well, let's not get into real life. Um, so... So Savage wants to kill Hogan. Hogan's trying to take everything, his woman, his title, his career, all of it. And Hogan's like, not me. I'm an angel. <laughs> you know? And so now people want to see Hogan kick Savage's ass because Savage, is act- Savage ran over a defenseless woman you know, and beat up everybody in his path along the way. So WrestleMania 5 was a fever pitch. The buildup to WrestleMania 6, Hogan and Warrior kind of don't get along. And and this goes and this is why I'm setting you up for the for the promos. Warriors' big promo going into WrestleMania six is I'm going to take everything you've got, Hogan, your fans, and I'm going to make them Warrior fans. Everything, everything that's Hulk Hogan, I'm going to make the Warrior. And I'm listening to that promo in preparation for this, and I'm like, as a fan, if I'm not already obsessed with the Warriors look because I'm th- twelve at the time, and I'm actually listening to what he's saying, he sounds like the bad guy. 
That's something the bad yep. guy says to the good guy. I'm going to take everything that's yours and make it mine because you don't deserve it. You're not a worthy human being. None of that is good guy talk, Chris. He goes from talking about all his little warriors and all the different, you know, the mm -hmm. basic Hulkamaniac storyline to, uh, I'm tearing down the cockpit of the plane and I go <laughs> and I take the umbrella. And, blah, blah. and I mean, he's really going dark, like talking about like killing Hulk Hogan on a plane. <laughs> Two suicide pilots who've already agreed to make the sacrifice necessary. <laughs> it is crazy he goes like completely off the deep end and it's not comfortable like no. i know a couple of my friends who were warrior fans and they were like the dude the fuck is this <laughs> yeah now hogan yeah, I... on the other side he's doing his classic hanging and banging in the beach in you know venice california with brother brutai doing the whole and thing also, ready. instead of saying i'm gonna take everything you have makes like an honest heartfelt plea to the little warriors to become <laughs> hulkamaniacs like trying to recruit you into right. the church of hulkamania He's doing more like the 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 I don't know the the Latter Day Saints infomercial inviting you. <laughs> Warriors of Jehovah banging on your door. I'm gonna indoctrinate you. Have you yeah. heard the good word? <laughs> Do you have a few minutes to talk about a Lord and Savior Hulk Hogan? He <laughs> <laughs> was doing great. Warriors was... coming, and you need to be prepared. He was doing his. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to say. That's it. So my point is, and I think we were all in agreement here, this was not a great buildup. It's basically like Jack Tunney, for no good reason, awarded Warrior. Like, he doesn't earn it at the Royal Rumble. It's not a fever pitch. They're not trying they're, – they're not – there's nothing other than they're the two best-looking physical guys that you can put on the poster at the time. And, and Vince is like, I need a new Hulk Hogan. Hogan wants to go do movies. And in an alternate universe, Hogan's successful at movies and never comes back. So you need a replacement – for the you know for, for him and the and why not the ultimate warrior he looks like the best guy at the time to put the belt on that's right <laughs> um but they don't tell you anywhere near even like not comparing it to savage hogan they just in general this isn't a great story they 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 flat they just flat gave the guy a title shot and then the guy they gave the title shots like i'm gonna murder hulk hogan and steal all of his fans okay let's think about this for a second though we just came off this exact same build so we just had the tag team, the mega powers with Randy mm -hmm. Savage. We went through this formula, just two WrestleManias back to back. So <laughs> yep. here we are again, shoehorning the warrior in the Savage place, except yep. we're not turning him heel. This is the spin. We also, and we, also don't have, we also don't have just a regular guy context that people can relate to. Right. The, the, right. You know, war, and that's part of the detriment of the warrior as a character. Like, yeah, there's the macho man. He's over the top and everything. But he's a, he speaks coherently for the most part, you know, when he's, you know, not his. We talked about the crop, yeah, huh? And, yeah, uh, he, he had bizarre speaking patterns, but he was a guy people could relate to. I mean, right. you talked about here's the thing you talked about this yeah. with WrestleMania 4. Savage is a guy most men wanted to be. He's cool as shit and has a hot girlfriend. Yeah, what the just, fuck but is not only warrior? that, you, you get to WrestleMania 5, and there's definitely some sympathy on Randy mm -hmm. Savage's side. Sure. I mean, everybody, we're not Hulkamaniacs. I'm telling you, when he drops that elbow and Hogan kicks at it as shit at WrestleMania 5, people are booing. Yeah, no, but but, but Pat, again, and I, yeah. Pat and I talked about this, how lecherous Hulk Hogan even comes across yeah. in that entire feud. Yeah, the lusterer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you have, you have a situation there where it's – everybody can understand that situation where, you know what, all of a sudden things are going good for me. I got the girl. I got this. I got, you know, all that. This guy wants what I have. I don't know. You're not taking that from me. And then right. maybe he's getting a little too friendly with your girlfriend or your wife. You know, that happens. And you, there are happening. people, 
like Randy Savage or myself, who maybe dwell a little bit more on the paranoid side, side than others, and we can understand that that's what goes on, and that's why these things happen. One guy's just, uh, I don't know if he's part Native American, part alien, part whatever, and calling on the gods from the sky and lightning bolts, and he wears face paint and does cool stuff, which <laughs> young me thinks is the greatest thing ever. Yep. Me at like 12, 13, I'm going to be like, man. Here's the problem. He was He-Man without the Atom. Because we all related to He-Man. We all wanted to be He-Man. He-Man was the Superman power you know, fantasy that boys have. What made He-Man relatable as a character, as a human being, was the Atom side. And Ultimate Warrior had no Atom side. That's the issue. Yeah, right. that's an Shazam. Yep. All right, WrestleMania six. here we go from the Toronto Sky Dome, which took place on April 1st, 1990, in Toronto. All right, the city built underground for the mole people. <laughs> uh, we kick things off with the model. How long has been the Rick Martel been doing the model at this point, Pat? Real quick. Less than a year. He came back, turned heel, but he only adopted the model stuff kind of in the, in the late end of 1989, thanks to the brainchild of J.J. Dillon. And so it hasn't fully matured here either. Like, he's not, like, apex modeled here. No, he still got permed out uh, mullet yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yep. And I don't think he was he was spraying arrogance yet. I didn't see the, uh, the canister. Oh, he's spraying camera. arrogance. You just don't see oh, it on camera. Okay. <laughs> and he's taking on the Birdman. Coco, beware. Um, all right. This is less than five minutes. It's three minutes, 51 seconds. It's the it's it's the Tito Santana hot match to get things started, Chris. What'd you think of the model versus the Birdman? I watched WrestleMania 6 live via closed circuit TV at St. John's Memorial Stadium, sir, with an action-packed crowd. That place was packed. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When the Birdman came out, that place was fucking lifting off, man. I mean, this crowd was hot the entire time. Rick Martel, Canadian people were cheering his ass. He beats Coco. Everyone goes home happy in Canada. Yeah, a lot of heel victories on WrestleMania 6. This was a weird one to watch. Pat, real quick, Birdman model. Arrogance for men until we meet again. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the let's form a protective barrier around Andre the Giant because the man can't move match. We have Demolition seeking to regain their tag team titles from the Colossal Connection, Andre the Giant and Haku. And look, this is to serve two masters. One, get the titles back on Demolition. Two, have Andre leave on a high note. You know, let him regain his goodness. Let him leave to throngs of crowd, throngs of fans cheering him as he walks out of the Sky Dome one last time. You know, uh, this is where he gets to slap Bobby Heenan around. By the way. Um, no, he doesn't. He misses. <laughs> well, yeah, he tries to like paintbrush him, and you know, and you can just see Heenan's life flash before his eyes. And he's like, "Well, I'm about to get killed by Andre the Giant." If you don't swing a frying pan hard, but you still tap someone with a frying pan, it still hurts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I was going to say Andre the Giant slaps are as hard as anyone's punches. But um, this one, the, the funny thing about this was how much like it, how, re how much reality there was in this match because Haku is the hardest working man in this match. He is bumping and flying and grappling and sweating. And there's Andre in the corner. And that is exactly what Heenan says. Heenan's like, you just stood there and let Haku do everything. And Andre is like, my back, my, my head, my back, everything. And then R.I.P. 
and then every and then he beats up Bobby Heenan. So this is great. Um, that's really all I have to say about it, Chris. Uh, the Colossal I've, I've got, Demolition. I've, you good? I've got lots. Of, I've got lots to say about this, man. Uh, let me tell you something. Demolition got their Road Warrior pop this night. I can guarantee mm. you. When they won the tag titles, the place where I was in was shaking. The Sky Dome was rocking. I'm telling you right now, these guys, Demolition. If you compare them to the Legion of Doom, these guys were over all by themselves, and yeah. this this crowd were popping for X and Smash here. I'm telling you, it was a it was a moment. I mean, you had it all here. You had mm -hmm. the uh, you had brand new tag team champions. You had the dissolution of the Bobby Heenan family here, basically for all nuts and bolts. Yep. And then you had Andre the Giant leaving to a chorus of cheers. I mean, this place, the entire scene was amazing. Yeah, this was this was for the emotionality of it. This was a great match, Pat. Pretty package. One of the last real crowning moments of Demolition's run as a team. Um, sadly, uh, the last WrestleMania and last full pay per view match in a, in a tag team, just a regular tag team scenario for Axe, um, who's going to have some health scares a little bit later in the year. Um, but yeah, as a Demolition fan, and I, for my money, still the the greatest tag team of all time, Axe and Smash. Um, Can't disagree, man. It's hard to hard to disagree that. that this was their third their third trip around the sun together as tag team champions. They were super over, and I'll always maintain they were better than the Road Warriors. Sorry. And what should have been the beginning of the march towards the main event of SummerSlam, the Ultimate Warrior versus Earthquake. The Earthquake more or less squashes uh, Pat's future father-in-law, Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Pat Hernandez, that's your new gimmick. <laughs> uh, I want to see Pat. Pat's got, Pat's got to do the the mania of chains, WrestleMania eight chains. and nine with chains on. Um, yes, more <laughs> but, chains. Uh, Pat. Yeah, in the Ultimate Universe, where they book things correctly, it should have been Earthquake versus the Warrior at SummerSlam. But we'll get there. Uh, meanwhile, but this, this is the this is the beginning of the march towards Earthquake towards Hulk Hogan. Uh, he goes over Hercules Hernandez here. Hercules, a mainstay of, you know, since WrestleMania, I think, two. Uh, mainstay of this, you know, always a, a hard worker and doesn't always have the best matches, but he is in a serviceable role here, Chris. I love Hercules' chain of punches. It's it's almost rhythmic. You can get into it when he's punching. You know what I mean? Just feel it. You can do the Hercules punch while you're while you're watching this show. Really, <laughs> so so good, so good. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there you go. Exactly. Now he was face here, so he's coming. Was he slave yet? Was he free of the slave? Free, 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 free at last. Free at last. He was a free man, and he was somewhat over here. I, I will say, Hercules was, despite his status on the card, he was he was reasonably over. So. And plus, he also got earthquake over. It served all. He purpose. also didn't get squashed ever. Like Herc was always, even if he lost the match, competitive and largely controlled right. a lot of it. For earthquake to go over him the way he did, it's very visible. Like, okay, we need right. to make this guy stand out. We have a plan. Like, right. how do we do that? He's they gonna were, squash Herc. They were building earthquake that. to be like the next Andre the Giant here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, a change here or a little, you know, a little change there, and I think they would have had it because earthquake is great. But what was funny about Hercules at the time on house shows, he was winning occasionally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't losing everything. No. So this build, he wasn't a jobber per se. He was like, he was definitely firmly in the mid card, but every now and then he'd sneak a win over someone big. And you're like, what? Hercules he had just, just done a run guy. with Akeem on the house shows prior to this point where he was winning the majority of them. Right. All right. Well, we got to keep Hogan happy. So Beefcake gets a win over Mr. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> was this? Somebody <laughs> tell me why. So I, I have tried to come to Beefcake's defense, you know, in, in as far as he was the perfect guy for this era of wrestling. But I think this is where this is now the segment of the of the podcast called Pat's Therapy Session. 
Pat, please <laughs> just do your thing, man. Beefcake over perfect in less than 10 minutes. So what you have here is essentially the best in-ring performer on the roster at this point for this year, the year prior, and the next year to boot. And a gimmick where they're trying to build him into a main event star eventually. Uh, he had some matches with Hogan on the main events that didn't draw reasonably well, so they're trying to figure out plan B with him. So what they think the best approach would be would be to have him job to Hogan's best friend cleanly and take this two-year build of this undefeated streak that they can potentially do so many things with, and instead he does a job to a guy who doesn't have three yards of clothing on, looks like he put hand grenades <laughs> in his damn pockets. Yes. <laughs> with a mullet and crazy eyes and has a reasonable physique, but not outstanding at the time. Can't really do much besides a knee lift and a sleeper hold and a, and can't cut a reasonable promo to save his life either, but he's best friends with Hulk. So we got to do something. So what we're going to do is we're going to build this guy up instead of this guy who's so good and makes everybody look good. And how can this fail? It's only that 18 other baby faces have gotten more over than him since he's turned baby face. You know, uh, not the ultimate warrior, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, Dusty Rhodes. But but let's not put that here or there. Let's go with that. And instead, we're going to have our best guy on this, on this whole roster in terms of getting guys over in the ring. Do everything he can to make this guy look like a million bucks and put him over. And then later on, what we have planned is he's going to beat this guy again for the Intercontinental title down the road, too. Unfortunately, there's a parasailer who decided that wasn't a good idea. I, I was not there at the time. I don't know <laughs> who was riding that parasail. It wasn't me. I certainly didn't do it. I'll kill you, Barber. <laughs> I was too young based on legal restrictions to be in that parasail with my knees out like this into somebody's face. Um, wasn't me. I don't know. I wasn't there. It is a um, choice considering they need heels to put again. They need to build up the heel machine for Warrior. And they couldn't have been this dense to not realize that you need heels that can work to get Warrior over. Perfect was the guy. It, you know, perfect more than rude was the guy. And yet they, they blow him up on the launch pad. Well, you know, and here's the thing, too. Yeah. They, they were unhappy with the house show results of Hogan versus Perfect in terms of what they drew because they didn't draw very well at Madison Square Garden. Right. They, they, I, I know they wrestled at Cops County in the headliner there. I don't know how that drew, but I know that was their first singles headlining match in December of 89, I believe it was, in Cops County Coliseum in Toronto, or the outskirts of Toronto, I should say. Um, but they had disappointing results. They got they did a tag match at the, at the Garden the following month after the Hogan-Henning singles match of Henning and Beefca or Hogan and Beefcake against Henning and Lanny Poffo. Still didn't draw strong. And then What's funny is they're still going to do Henning Warrior later on because they just need guys who can work with him. But instead of making him look like a credible threat and building him up like, oh, he just beat Beefcake on a major scale. Okay, there's really something to perfect now. He's still unbeaten. Now we're going to have Beefcake beat him. Perfect. And they use the same finish that Henning used against Jerry Lawler to drop the AWA title in Memphis. Yes, I was just going to say that. It's the exact – the slingshot buckle, boom, there it is. Yeah, right into the post, and then out goes perfect, and Beefcake gets the win. And Henning does everything he can to make this guy look credible, and Beefcake still sucks. I'm sorry, he sucks. There's no two ways about it. I didn't get him as a kid. I didn't get him as an adult. I don't get him now. I never did. He was there because he was Hogan's friend. That guy owes Hogan everything he has. Let's, let's call it what it is, okay? He sucked. That's why he couldn't get over WCW because they couldn't call him Brutus the Barber there. And that's all he had. He sucked. It's an Best interesting line thing. ever, Warrior on Nitro, pointing to this label going, this must be your barber. Well, we're trying to transition out of the Hogan <laughs> era into this new Warrior era, and yet we're still hanging on to Warrior's buddies. Like, I don't I, – I just don't understand, Chris, the mentality of – 
Barbara needs to go over here. Uh, just a real quick, like 50 words or less on Barbara and perfect. And we'll move on. Uh, like I said, the, the big thing here was the, it was the shock element. Nobody and their dog expected beefcake to go over here. So, you know, it's that shock win in the middle of the card that people are talking about all of a sudden you had just had came off and, you know, a, a big tag team title victory, you know, for demolition. So what are you going to follow it up with? Boom. Mr. Perfect streak you know, his TV story, or he, he had actually lost before this, believe it or not, this is not his first loss, mm -hmm. uh, but it was his first televised or pay-per-view loss. Like, so literally in Canon, this is his first loss, but a uh, big shocker here. Flip the baby face heel win loss result with this match. And another match a little bit later on the car card preceded by one of the great promos of all time. And I think your booking is just fine. Yep. That's just me. All right. So I watched this on Peacock and guess what's missing. Pat, <laughs> uh -oh. some folks like to call me the hot rod. <laughs> some folks like to call me Scott. So, Pat, in like 50 oh, words I was or less. Painting, painting half my face for this, but. So oh, no, no. So, in 50 words or less, for the people to understand context, because context is king, what was Piper trying to say to the people about Brad News Brown and race relations in general when he was painting his face half white and half black? Right. So Ronnie's whole thing was that he was trying to be Michael Jackson in, in terms of that, you know, no matter if you're black or white. That's exactly. exactly. That, that's what this is based on. That's, that's what Roddy has said is his intent with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's what he said his intent was. However, <laughs> it was interpreted quite differently by sure. many people, particularly bad news. Oh, really? who might have thrown some potatoes at him in the interim. <laughs> and has pretty much gone on record saying he was pretty sure that somebody at some point was going to just jump the rail and kick Piper's ass <laughs> for doing it. But this isn't the first time Roddy did the, the half blackface. It's the first time he did half blackface and black body for that matter. Okay, hang on. Blackface is a very specific thing. He painted his face black. He wasn't doing blackface. And I know this it's is, a weird this distinction. This is half blackface. Half well, blackface. it's it's not blackface at all. <laughs> blackface is a very specific thing. Please stop saying that. That's not what the man was doing. He was not trying to shame or mock black people. No, that's no, blackface. No, definitely not. Absolutely, he was not. I and I, and it's a weird distinction to make, but I think it's I think it, I you have to make it because if you call it blackface, then Piper's in the wrong. And Piper's, you know, and, and it goes against what Piper's intention was. That's why I'm making right. the point of talking about this. And again, in the build to this match for the preceding couple weeks on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, Roddy had worn half of his face of a different color, as you will. So it's not like he all of a sudden surprised everybody by doing this at that moment. <laughs> Just walking past Vince like, Roddy, what are you doing? Nothing, Vince. It's fine. <laughs> well, Vince also had a, a woman we'll talk about on the show named Sapphire. So yeah, we'll get there. Anyway, uh, I, I I did not get a chance to rewatch this match um, because it's on the you know, Roddy DVD if you own the DVD. I don't, um, but it, you know, but because it's 2021 and we've got the cock, so <laughs> so I did not. Well, you sure it. did. Uh, however, I will tell you as a kid, I fucking loved this match. I loved Bad News Brown. I know hashtag wire. Um, <laughs> I loved Bad News Brown. Loved Roddy Piper. This match kicked ass, and I'm sure it got stiff at times for all the reasons you said. But I think that made it better, Chris. It was just a brawl, and that's all it needed to be. It didn't even need a finish, which you didn't even get. It just it wasn't in a double countout. Isn't that where it ended up? Double uh, guys, uh, them brawling yeah. to the back. Yep. 
Yep, yep. They just brawled all the way to the back. I mean, you had Piper in his most insane version that you, you're going to get there. I know He's, lots of beautiful black men, lots of beautiful black women, and probably oh. neither one of them. Look at them big bug eyes you got. Look like you're going right out of the socket, man. And then look about that ugly list of lips on you, like lips on you like a catcher's mitt, man. Ugh. Whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, not not much to say about this except it's Piper at, at you know at some of his best and worst all at once. Uh, listen, not, <laughs> and thirty years here. later, nobody's allowed to go do a promo without a script. No, <laughs> I'm to talk about meeting that following the match, he has the solution to wipe to like wash all the the coloration off of him. Andre the Giant and Arnold Scullin dumped the solution out and put water into the bottle because it was a clear yes. solution. Roddy's in the shower trying to scrub himself off. Okay, okay, okay. All of a sudden, he's whipping his skin off, and he's like, why isn't this coming off? Figured out somebody had dumped out the solution on him, so he's got to keep the paint on. So him and Rick Martell are, like, rubbing his skin with toothbrushes to try to get it off. (laughs) He goes the next day into the Toronto International Airport, still painted up, hung over, and with a six-foot Mickey Mouse that he had gotten for his daughter, and they say, "Uh, sir, you're going to have to check Mickey. Give him a first-class seat. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Uh, this this almost has, there's no reason to talk about this. The best part of this entire next bit here, the Hart Foundation versus the Bolsheviks. Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Dude, Steve Allen's skit with the Bolsheviks is the best thing on this card. It's so oh funny. Oh, my God. No, no. See, uh, what do you mean, no, no? Steve Allen. Steve Allen no, is great. He's a Canadian celebrity. He's not a Canadian celebrity. Where did they dig this guy up? Come on. If you haven't seen it, it's so funny because, like, you know, the Bolsheviks are trying to sing their their anthem, and Steve Allen keeps going, keeps playing like different songs, and Show Steve tunes. Allen mugging to the camera is the best thing ever. Um, he was so good, so good. This is so much better than the match itself, which is twenty seconds long. Uh, so By the way, they also had to make sure to take extra special care care of Steve Allen's hair. Hmm. It was kept in a cold room so that it wouldn't frizz or do anything like that. And it had to be maintained at all times or Steve Allen would not go on camera. So, Pat, is this the beginning of the end of the Hart Foundation here? Is this where we start to get the Brett singles run? No, this is the beginning of the last real beginning of the Hart Foundation where they were like, we we need a team to go over strong because they knew at the time pretty much they were going to be bringing the Road Warriors in. Okay. But, But until that point, they had to set something up to transition that demolition Road Warrior feud. Because they were going to turn Demolition Heel again, which is a huge mistake, but we'll go on with that. Um, and they wanted to rebuild. The Hearts were over. The Hearts were an over team in every city mm-hmm. because they had earned that reputation over the past five years of just being this workhorse like, tag team that always put on good matches. Well, didn't we also talk about in the last show that they tried to experiment with, uh, initially with the Heart singles run and it did not do Wrestle- well? WrestleMania for Battle Royal against Bad News Brown. Against Bad yes, News Brown, right. they, and they split Brett and Jim. Brett wasn't ready at the time for what they had envisioned for him. Jim kind of floundered a little bit at that time on his own. So the decision was made. Brett's not ready to be on his own yet. Anvil isn't really of any use to us as a single. So let's put them back together to keep trying to build Brett up to something eventually. But in the interim, they're our most over team besides Demolition. And if we're moving Demolition into the Road Warrior feud, we don't need belts for that. Let's put the belts on these guys and have them carry them and work with these other teams so we can have our B-Show main events be something people care about. So that's why they were put over so strong. They made a mistake with his initial run because when they did the WrestleMania for, you know, destroying the trophy, you know, feud with Bad News Brown thing, they kept the Anvil around. So Anvil would do run-ins at the end of the match. At the end of the matches, yeah. And, and throw out Bad News Brown when he's beating down Brett after a DQ and all this type of stuff. So they never really truly separated them. They still sort of had them lingering in the background, which was a huge mistake. You couldn't keep them singles, right? 
in an ongoing theme of the WWE at the time, they are looking at big muscly men in this company going, okay, we need to start, we need to create an entirely new main event roster. I mean, at this point, a lot of the, um, the, the superstars of previous territories had been there for a while and a lot of them were starting to leave. Um, a lot of them, of uh, the, uh, Mid-South guys had been there forever and they were starting to leave or they were getting stale. And so we need new guys. So the barbarian and he goes over Tito Santana in less than five minutes. Doesn't work out, but that was the object here. Anything about the barbarian and Tito, Chris? So Barbarian is now experimenting with a brand new look, brand new part of the Heenan family type of deal. He's got this large, almost Conan the Barbarian-esque garb that you'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looked really, really freaky. Uh, he's got his own singles finisher now. He's playing with the flying clothesline, which was devastating at the time. And, and uh, Tito sold the ever-loving shit out of that clothesline, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. Boom. Uh, Huge I thought it was opportunity on a Barbarian action figure looking like this, by the way. Oh, I was so gonna say, good. Imagine the alternate universe where they know had a book and you know and hogan never comes back and you get like a warrior barbarian pay-per-view like hogan hogan versus warlord come on let's what yeah yeah barbarian in florida then his little run in the nwa he was a single star before they paired him up with warlord so i mean i think there was a missed opportunity here all the way around infinitely better worker the whole nine infinitely better worker than the warlord too really underrated guy in terms of what he could do for such a big guy and we'll see that at uh at uh, wrestlemania 7 all right, our co-main event of this pay-per-view, our mid-show match here, we have a uh, former Crockett Booker and NWA heavyweight champion Dusty Rhodes with Sapphire. Um, and hey, have you guys ever it. seen Amos and Andy? <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and they go in a mixed tag against Randy Savage and the sensational Queen Sherry here. Pat, why Sapphire? Where did she come from? And why did they think this was a good idea, this poor woman? Because Vince watched a show as a kid called Amos and Andy. Mm -hmm. And the name Sapphire goes back to a character from the Amos and Andy show, which unfortunately perpetuates heavily racial stereotypes against African-Americans or blacks, depending on what nomenclature you prefer. Um, you know, they're island blacks who are not of African descent. So I want to be fair when I say that. And I don't want to miscategorize everybody. Yeah. Um, but Amos and Andy was very much a fun show for kids growing up in the 50s in the U.S. if you were white. Mm -hmm. If you were not white, it hit a lot of personal hard notes on you that white folks generally didn't know was insulting at the time because we had a very ignorant culture. It happens. They, these, these things are what they are. It's like when everybody laughs at the Irish when they get portrayed as drunks. <laughs> That's funny. No, it's actually hurtful. It's kind of true. <laughs> um, he says with the Celtic cross on his arm, go figure. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was, you know, it was a time where Vince grew up watching that show as a kid and remembers laughing at it and thinking it's funny and entertaining. Let's bring it back, pal. Let's do it. No, let's not. And bad news is one of the guys who actually confronted him about the name Sapphire for Juanita Wright, who portrayed that character, who was just a huge fan, particularly of Dusty. And they brought her in as his manager because of that. Uh, and they, he warned Vince, like, what you're doing is racist. Cut the shit. You know better. And Vince changed her name to Sweet Sapphire because that was less racist. And what we have here are the crossroads of two of the greatest careers of all time at their collective low points together, which is a sad thing. And a missed booking here, Rona Barrett, who is very well known as a gossip columnist in Hollywood and all that stuff. Why is she at WrestleMania in Toronto and not Los Angeles? Made no sense. So, no I mean, was, was Sapphire somebody on the indie scene? Did she come no, to she was a fan. She was a fan who would come to the shows, be very loud and vociferous, sit front row. They just throw her in there, huh? 
largely yeah. cheer for Dusty, and they brought her in as a fan, and she became Dusty's manager. I'm not noticing a pattern here, you know. It's polka dots, baby. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I know they they did Dusty and Savage on the on the house show circuit, didn't they? In singles, yeah, okay. and, the, and this can continue after this. Yeah, yeah, so this isn't a track. This is something for Savage to do. This is something for Dusty to do. The, lo the collective low point of two of the greatest careers of all time. Um, and you're, you're neglecting to talk about Elizabeth. Elizabeth was involved here. Yeah, she was. I, it, well, she has a bigger role in the next one, and um, and, and we got to move this along. But I will look, look this whole match. I mean, I have to. You can say what you want about it being a low point. The match itself, one, the crowd. This was the hot. This was other than Hogan Warrior. This is the hottest match on in the entire show. Um, people love this, and I'll tell you, I, I was thinking about Zeus. You know, like everyone forms a protective barrier around Zeus to try to make him look as good as possible and to cover up his awfulness. Same thing here. Like Sensational Sherry should have gotten an award because, Ooh. other than Mister Perfect, I've never seen somebody bump as much as she does for Sapphire, doing absolutely nothing. Beat up yeah. Sapphire a little bit too for bad hygiene. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I can imagine where that hygiene is is mistaken. You know they I mean? they this was an a Herculean task, no pun intended, to try to get this match over. And Dusty, Sherry, and Savage did their best, and I think they succeeded despite yes. the albatross, the the chain, you know, the ball and chain that was sapphire around each of their ankles. Chris, ball and chain, watch it. They canceled Roddy Piper. They'll cancel you too. Uh, face is not half black. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Good, good, fun match. You're playing with the uh, with the emotions of the crowd, having Elizabeth involved here. Uh, Sherry's bumping her ass off. You talk about an insulated cocoon around some people. They had no cocoon around Dusty Rhodes, but by God, he was getting over. You could <laughs> saddle him with polka dots. You could give him shitty plumber gimmicks. You can stick Sapphire with him. He was absolute Teflon, and those fans just loved him. And it was a milk kind of gas. We're pumping a gas. I'm making a blast. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. You could not fail. Dusty Rhodes could not fail. He was you might be my prices. As hard as they tried. <laughs> I would love to go into a rant about Bruce Pritchard lying about them purposely, uh, them purposely cutting, you know, making life difficult for Dusty Rose, but we don't have another hour for me to bash Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. Um, all right. The Rockers took on the Orient Express. Pat, anything with this? I mean, it was a fine enough match and everything. Was this, was this a deal they had with some Japanese promotion? Because I'm really surprised the Rockers don't go over here. What? AWA, baby? What is he talking about? I don't know. Fix, fix him up, Pat. Fix him up. No, there was no deal with a Japanese promotion. Pat Tanaka is about as American as you and I are. Akio mm -hmm. Sato is Japanese, but wrestled in Memphis for a long time, which is how we got to know a lot of these guys, including Pat. These are just four guys who worked really well together. They're going to do even better when Akio Sato is replaced by Paul Diamond, who is Pat's partner in the AWA's bad company, that had already had this incredible feud with the Midnight Rockers, same guys, of course. They just have really good chemistry for guys who are lighter, work hard, bump their asses off. Finish is a little disappointing, but makes perfect sense if you want to extend it. Have Fuji get involved. Love you, Mr. Fuji. I miss you. Marty gets hit over the rail, goes with the cane, and it's fun. It's a good sprint. It's a good change of pace from what we just saw with a lot of gimmickry and window dressing around Dusty and Savage and Sapphire and Cherry, Elizabeth. It got people back into, oh, this is a wrestling show, and it's a fun one at that. All right. Yeah. Um we got Jim Duggan defeating Dino Bravo in yet another situation where I don't understand why the guys you're going to try Mark, to stop force. homering for Dino Bravo. He I don't understand this. Move, move along, Radlich. Move along. <laughs> you're in Canada. Um, Garbage. How's Garbage. that work out for Brett? Moving on. Uh, Ted DiBiase with Virgil defeats Jake Roberts by countout. 
Flip this and beefcake perfect endings, please. Yeah, this is this is rough. Um, I mean, it's a good match and everything, but again, I don't know why at this point we're not trying to build up Jake. But who knows? Jake with his wallowing in the muck of avarice promo, by the way. <laughs> um, and after two years of a run with these two as the uh, the Twin Towers, they finally break them up. The Twin Towers explode. No you can't say that. <laughs> I said no pun intended. Um, I was referencing Savage and Hogan. Uh, the boss man takes on Akeem, the African dream, who, well, go, you know, as much as shit as they've, if they've canceled off a of peacock, that's, that's WWE, they still leave Akeem on there because that's not racist and insulting. No, because it's making fun of a white man. Sure. Uh, the, boss, the boss man defeats Akeem, the African dream, in less than two minutes. Um, they got big plans for the boss man as a face. They need more faces, you know, behind. And he's already more over than Beefcake. Yeah, so big. that's what this was. This was a UWF world title rematch. Um, they got, you know, the plan is for Rude to main event uh, SummerSlam with the Warriors. So they need to give him a big win. So he gets a, you know, he gets a short big win over an aged Jimmy the Murderer Snuka. Um, it's whatever. Who cares? All right. Uh, the main event. Let's finally get there. 25 minutes, this felt like an hour, of the Warrior and Hogan in the weirdest... At 12 years old, I'm loving the shit out of this. I'm biting my fingernails. I'm sweating. I'm at Dave Meccarelli's confirmation, and, you know, you know, and we're just watching this as kids. And it's the great... It's the Super Bowl. It's the greatest thing ever. The you, tensions could not have been higher. At 45 years old and watching a lot of wrestling and looking at how this match is booked, it's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. Hogan goes from uh, wrestling this really awesome match with Savage where he's bumping and moving and running and, you know, and it's the most athletic he's, like, ever looked outside of Japan to this, which is an exchange of bear hugs. Chris, <laughs> this is not no, a great match. We are not going to sell this as a bear hug match. This had all the emotion and intensity. It didn't need to be anything over the top. This didn't have to be Okada in the in the Tokyo Dome against Kenny Omega. No, it did not. It had everything this thing needed. It had the emotion, the drama, sure. the kickouts. It was the entire package. It was the best that WWF was going to offer at this time. Two titans colliding. You didn't know who was going to win. Was it possible that the Warrior was going to unseat Hulk Hogan after years of never getting his pinned shoulders pinned to the mat? And he just barely does it. The place goes electric. We got a brand new champion. The passing of the torch, Mark Radlich. The crowd goes home crazily happy. Some of them. That's yeah, like I said, at 12 years old, this was amazing. And when it was over, I was like, I was spent. I was like, take me home, Dad. I can't, I can't yeah, be here anymore. I, I'm done. Watching yep. it, I watched it with my son, and my son had kind of not not as similar reactions, not as emotionally invested, but he liked the match. Like, and it was, and I think that's what I'm trying to say. I think compared to what we know wrestling will become, and you know, in years later, and you know, and how guys can work, and even at its time, like comparing it to like Savage Steamboat and stuff like that, it's not great. It's just not. Um, on the other hand, it's the perfect match for what it needed to be at the time, Pat. Hundred percent. They. They did. They played to each guy's strengths during the match, which is important. They they didn't want them to go out of their comfort zone, but they still wanted them to have something watchable and something that did justice to the position they're in on the card, where you couldn't do you know your warrior thirty seconds clothesline 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 go home or your Hogan big bootleg drop immediately go home type thing. They they had each guy get their moments. The psychology was very good. They they didn't go at a pace that they couldn't sustain. 
they really worked hard to accentuate certain points to allow commentary to tell the story of what was going on. So big ups to Jesse and Gorilla for how they put the match over on commentary and what they did. Um, and, and again, you're, you're minimizing what each guy is not strong with and you're, and, and you're heightening what they do well. You never saw Hogan sell a lot as much as he did in, in terms of other than when it was time to make the comeback like he did here. Like when he goes out to the ring, he hurts his knee. What does Warrior do? Right. Warrior kicks him in the knee. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's not, they're showing you this is about everything. The friendship's out the window. We're, we got both belts on the line. This is everything right now. You know, they do the crisscross. Each guy gets to look strong where the referee's down and they each get pins on each other. So it equals out, you know, and they, they don't make one guy look particularly stronger than the other. It's a well-executed match for what it needed to be. It, it, it really did do everything you could to elevate the Warrior in that moment and make him look like the star to come. Hogan did it as much as you could to look at make him look like that. And Hogan himself came off looking pretty good. Even though the bloom was off the rose of Hulkamania, he yeah. shook the hand, handed the belt, gave the hug. But he's always had the line that I disagree with where he said, more people were watching me leave than watching Warrior in the ring. And that's just Hulk being Hulk. Oh, well, he's a liar. Yeah. And, and uh lecturer anyway um <laughs> you fulfill your ultimate destiny by the way i've never changed the batteries on this thing since like 1990 and it still talks nice they don't make it all right. Like they used to. all right so the next the next thing that we're going to do is SummerSlam, and the road to get there is that whole is that they take the warrior off the road <laughs> and they send him out to do publicity he has no hot feud going into summer he does with phil collins he he, he does oh. absolutely like like Hogan beats the Sheik and he's like in this death feud with Roddy Piper and then it's the Heenan family and it's like one hot feud after another with Hogan. It's just the best TV you're going to see in the early 80s, mid 80s. All right, well, we need to do the same thing with Warrior. We need to reset and start all over again with Warrior. Warrior, what are we going to do? Not anything at all ever. You're going to dance with Phil Collins, the two of hearts. Yep. Uh, so, and then, and, then they, and then we get Warrior Rude 3 at... Um, at SummerSlam in the cage. Uh, the setup to all of this is that Earthquake uh, hospitalizes, stretchers Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan's off TV for a while. What's he making when he leaves? When he goes off TV? Suburban Commando. Okay. So he's going to go to Suburban Commando. And what should have been Warrior versus Earthquake is instead, Pat, and we documented this so just like in 10 words or less, just remind the people what happened. Instead of focusing on the build towards what should have been Warrior versus Earthquake, which is the natural feud, they instead focus a lot of TV time on, hey, send get well cards to Hulk Hogan, and they build towards a returning Hulk Hogan versus fucking Earthquake. You, you, instead of Warrior coming out to avenge this great champion he had the honor of sharing the ring with and this unstoppable heel who nobody's conquered yet, and they have a fresh main event with hot babyface, hot heel, everything makes sense. He's a big physical threat. Some of the Warrior hasn't seen like him before. No, we're going to put the Warrior on the back burner. He's going to wrestle a guy he's already wrestled on two pay-per-views and beaten and should be the end of at this point. We're going to do that instead. And Hogan's going to get the hot angle with Earthquake because everybody wants to see Hulk come back and get revenge because it's not like we could put that off and have him do it after the Warrior fights Earthquake and still make money with it. Uh, and so the feuds going into Survivor Series, uh, I believe the Warrior is kind of sort of feuding with, uh, I don't even know, I guess Perfect? I, I, I he's, said he's, doing, he's doing house show loops. Summer with uh, Kurt Henning, summer with uh, DiBiase. He wrestles DiBiase on TV mm -hmm. um, on on the main event special the night after. But he's, he's the majority of what he's doing are six man tags with De the Road Warriors against all three members of Demolition, which is odd. And so you have Hulk Hogan, who, and he's going to continue to feud with uh, Dino and Earthquake and that whole gang. And this all leads to the Survivor Series, which is a weird one. This is the one where. 
uh, the winners of their collective matches form two teams at the end and fight each other. And so the show starts, and I remember watching this a little ways back just to watch it because I kind of wanted to, I think when we were talking about the Warrior at the time, I was like, what did he do after he won the title? Because I don't remember anything. It was the most least, like, least memorable title run ever. Um, and I'm watching it, and he fucking curtain jerks this Survivor Series. It's the Warrior with uh, Kerry Von Erich and uh, the Legion of Doom versus Demolition and um, Mr. Perfect. And this iteration of Demolition includes Crush. Um, and then later on, you get Hulk Hogan's team of Hulk Hogan, Boss Man, Jim Duggan, and fucking Tugboat <laughs> versus um, the Barbarian, Dino Bravo, Earthquake, and Haku. And then they have a final face-off of uh, Hogan, Tito, and the Warrior versus Hercules, Paul Roma, Martel, and DiBiase, and the Warlord in a three-on-five match. Chris, this is a nothing Survivor Series. Like I can't, I can't even pull a story out of this. This is this might be one of the worst Survivor Series I've ever seen. This is this is one of the reasons why I think they transferred out of the traditional Survivor Series matches into like singles matches. You know what I mean? Uh, this one really, really didn't make a lot of sense. They didn't have a lot of story build. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Really, there was nothing really great to say about this thing other than uh, you know a, a means to an end to further something they did nothing with this so what, what no. like what's the point it was the just only the only existing on the card the only thing i liked about the survivor series and it's probably the worst match on the card but i like the booking of it for what they were accomplishing is uh the mercenaries against the alliance which is sergeant slaughter's team of himself boris zukov and the orient express against uh the alliance nikolai volkov's team himself tito santana and the bushwhackers love that but i, I like it santana because winning I, I, and it's not even about Santana. It's that they make Slaughter look so strong in that match as this crazy veteran who can just find ways to win out of nowhere because he eliminates both the Bushwhackers and Nikolai, and they think he eliminates Tito too before they flip the decision and he's disqualified. But it made Slaughter look very dangerous and credible, which as they build the stuff was pretty cool. But aside from that, the whole pay-per-view is a throwaway. You would but think they, they, they experimented with the formula here because they had almost like – uh, a consolidation. So a Survivor Series team strive to survive, but the winners be, be propelled to a main Survivor Series match. So overall, and that's why Warrior Curtain jerked because right. he couldn't go and then go again. He needed right. an hour and a half between what he had to do. You would have thought that because of what they're going to do next, that Slaughter would have had a more prominent role in this thing, but he gets eliminated in his own match. Like he he really. Like he didn't have to win the whole thing, but he should have survived his own match. No, but they protected him and how he lost oh, yeah. that. That's he was the big difference. I, I'm not arguing that point. I just think there's a there's an even better way to do this, but it's neither here nor there. The Royal Rumble, 91. Um, we are now so I think that what's important to talk about here is about when did Slaughter make the heel turn in uh, in nineteen ninety. So summer nineteen ninety, he comes back in cutting just in general, just heel promos mm -hmm. right around the actual invasion of, uh, of Iraq and the Kuwaiti situation is when he starts cutting the Iraqi sympathizer uh, promos. Okay. At backstage, are they are they considering Slaughter versus Warrior for WrestleMania, or you know, are they are they just we already knew we're building towards Hogan versus Slaughter at this point? Once the house show receipts were received from Warrior's appearances, and they saw they were not really doing well, which is when. The, like fall 1990, so a little bit okay. building into this, they're kind of deciding we we we're not going to go in this direction anymore. We're going to try something different, and they didn't want to do babyface versus babyface again for whatever reason with Hogan mm -hmm. and Warrior. Um, maybe they thought Jim would have been too difficult to do business with at that point when they find out they're taking the belt off him and putting it directly back on Hulk. 
I don't know, but the decision was made. We need to try champion and they weren't going to do it with the guy they'd already done it with. They did Henning hadn't drawn well on the house shows, so they weren't going to use him. So they decided to go with a guy who was fresh to their audience, not necessarily fresh, but fresh to their audience at this point, which was slaughter. And mm -hmm. how do you really get heat on him? Let's make him like that Saddam guy. <laughs> we talked about in our, um, in defense of warrior, what they should have done was a, uh, a dual main event thing where it's Hogan versus Savage in like a boot camp match or a flag match or some shit like that, but have the title match be Warrior versus Savage. That yeah. that was the match, um, but that's not that's not what happened, and I've already complained enough about that. So the Royal Rumble, uh, we have two things happening here. We have um, Hogan winning the Royal Rumble by last eliminating eliminating the Earthquake, and then we have Slaughter and Slaughter with help from Savage defeating the Ultimate Warrior, and that's our. The beginning of our build to WrestleMania seven. Um, so just uh, anything of note, Pat, between the Royal Rumble and Mania um, that we should talk about? Well, the initial plan was to have WrestleMania seven at the uh, L.A. Coliseum because they thought they could outdo the attendance or, or at least come close to the attendance. The L.A. Coliseum would have sat about 80,000 people roughly in their capacity zone for a wrestling event. Ticket sales were a flop for that. Could not sell anywhere near close to that. So they had to move it to the much smaller LA Sports Arena, which was their regular visiting grounds when they came to run shows in LA for house shows and things of that nature. And they sold it as, oh, well, there were sniper threats against Sergeant Slaughter for playing this Iraqi sympathizer character. We didn't want to take any chances. We wanted a smaller venue or tighter security because of the threat of bombs and things of that nature. And in reality, they just didn't sell tickets because the interest wasn't there. And we'll talk about buy rate versus buy rate, you know, this mm -hmm. versus six versus five. But um, the, again, kind of more stuff in terms of the bloom coming off the rose around the WWF product at this point, too, with, you know, a word like steroids coming up a lot. And Vince basically telling everybody in the company, hey, get off the gas now. We're This is a federal territory and we're going to start getting tested. So do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, I, I meant to mention this with WrestleMania Six. You, you, it's one of those things where like a rock hits your windshield, and you don't know it. Notice it at the time. It's, it's it's a little ding. You just keep driving, but the rock hit the windshield at WrestleMania Six, and you're starting to see cracks now with WrestleMania Seven. And by the time we get to Nine, the whole windshield is shattered. And then at, and then at WrestleMania Eleven, the car is broke down in a ditch, and you're being you know, and you're a transient, and <laughs> you're you're, need, you're needing to get, get picked up on the side of the road. But we'll get there eventually. Um, you know what might have helped? You know, the Warriors promos were always a, a, an interesting thing. You know what might have helped him, Chris, to write better promos if he had had it at the time? I know. You know what? If only he had Grammarly back then, Mark. That's right. If tell the, him all about it. If the Warrior had just used Grammarly to write his promos, we might not have gotten two pilots suiciding their plane into the ground and killing Hulk Hogan. We might have got the, the, the Grammarly would have said, maybe don't write that stupid and pushed him in the pool. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Just keeping with you, Chris, did we get any Saturday night's main events between uh, six and seven of note? I I don't recall. I don't. Do, I don't think so. Did they, Pat? I don't think it was. They, 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 they did one uh, where Slaughter defended the WWF Championship against Jim Duggan, and they were going to bury him in the Iraqi flag before Hulk came out and made the save. 
Was okay. that a Saturday Night's main event or a main event? That was a main event. Yes. Okay. We had one, so we had one show uh, get, that gets us to WrestleMania between the Rumble. All right. So let's get there. Uh, WrestleMania 7. I don't love this one. <laughs> it's not this great. Is, this is my body count WrestleMania where it was like when you first started realizing everybody who was dying in mass. And like this was the WrestleMania was like, oh, almost all these people are dead. Yeah. This is uh, not only that, but this is just like <sighs> I think this is where it occurred to me that. First of all, I'm getting into my teenage years and I'm losing interest in wrestling in general about this point. But even looking back on it and watching it in preparation for this, I'm starting to realize the product itself is getting stale. They had Fred Katowal on this one, Mark. <laughs> His name's Fred? <laughs> oh, all listen, right. about Grammarly, can you imagine if, uh, if Zeus had Grammarly back in the day when he could properly pronounce it? <laughs> His promos. Can you imagine how effective it would have been? It would have been Baba. It's not Baba, moron. It, it would have been Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake. I will destroy you. Imagine how clear that would have been. Amazing. Would have been nice. Oh my God! <laughs> Look what the dude is wearing here. Just, uh, you know, how many of those do you have? Oh have my few. God! Wow. Right, for those just listening to the audio, Pat just came back on camera and Pat, tell them what you're wearing. It is a full uh, chalk line edition, airbrushed, Mister Perfect jacket with his perfect visage on the back the name logo on the chest uh, embroidered and the sides of the arms in classic baby blue and white much like one of henning's regular singlets so chalk line if you, if you want a new spokesperson yeah, wow. pat, pat, pat'll uh show you what you're working with uh all right wrestlemania 7 I mean, here we go the rockers kick things off against haku and the barbarian uh, it's a pretty good match. It's about 10 minutes. It's really long to kick things off with. It's 10 minutes and 33 seconds. The Rockers bump for the big guys. It's a fun match. A good one to start the show, Chris. Yeah, really, really full out. You get the Rockers at their full full height of their powers here. Shawn Michaels is bumping his ass off. There's one clothesline spot in particular where Shawn Michaels gets decapitated, and that's the story <laughs> of this one. But, uh, man, uh, you know, relentless fun. It's like your WrestleMania three starting out with the Can-Am connection. Same situation here. So Rockers and had a should, great match. Should be of note, this is our first WrestleMania without Jesse Ventura on commentary. He's replaced by Bobby Heenan, who is normally the manager of Haku and Barbarian. Yeah, um, I miss Jesse, the, but Bobby's good. Is this the beginning of the end of, uh, for the Rockers here, or is that come after the next WrestleMania? There, there's some time. We won't really see the the cracks on TV until uh, fall of '91. Okay. Um, next match, we have Kerry Von Erich, also known as the Texas Tornado, who uh, beats, beats my man, my poor man, the hardest working man in wrestling at this time, Dino Bravo. <laughs> here's, here's, where the, here's where the body count starts. And these two actually yep. just months apart from each other in 1993. Um, and Dino, Dino has just started the smoke trade and during this one, by the way. So, Chris, what do you think happened with Kerry Von Erich uh, here in the WWE? It never quite works out for him. I mean, they kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of put him with the Warrior for a little bit. You know, he gets a big win over Dino here. But he's sort of a footnote in WWE history. You know, we talked about like Billy, what was it? Billy Jack Haynes in the last one, yeah. uh, the one before that, where, you know, he was big in the territory he came from. And then he gets to the big show and it doesn't quite work out the way it was intended because clearly they had bigger ideas for Kerry Von Erich. Well, so why they told him the Texas tornado is beyond me. He he starts at well, they're branding everything. They're not they're sure. not letting Kerry Von Erich go somewhere else and sit in the middle of a ring with a with his theme music he used in WWE and doing a pipe bomb promo on their own company. They didn't do that at the time because they were too smart. 
So they were branding everybody that came in through the door. So you can call it what you want. That was a genius move. Kerry mm -hmm. Von Erich at the time was so loaded with his demons. And plus mm -hmm. he has that foot injury. So this is not yeah. the same Kerry Von Erich that you had back in the day. So he's loading up on the pills. This guy is living on one or a partial foot. I mean, he's got a prosthesis. That, mm -hmm. that he walks around on. So this is not the same. This is not the same package that they bought. You know, this is not the Kerry Von Eric that upset Ric Flair. Let's put it I think way. that's the biggest thing is his working ability. I mean, for a guy with one foot, uh, amazing. But they're looking for Kerry Von Eric, modern day warrior. And that's not the bill of goods that, you know, that might have been the bill of goods you were sold, but that's not what you're getting. He's very punchy, kicky, not the guy who could throw drop kicks and monkey flip and do what he did. Exactly. All right. Uh, this is also by this point, you know, Dynamite Kid's gone. He's uh, he done punched out the you know, <laughs> what's his face, Rougeau. Um, and uh, we've broken up the British Bulldogs. And this is the beginning of the British Bulldogs run towards the Intercontinental Championship in London. Uh, he takes on the Warlord here. And, you know, yes, it, well, I, 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 I need I need something. Pat, can you please do that promo? British Bulldog talking about the Wallod. Go. And this is what's going to happen to the wall and the British Bulldog. What's, what's that, Winston? <laughs> Perfect. So once again, we are trying to make hay out of, you know, established guys, give them singles runs, build up your mid card. Uh, that's the purpose of this one here. Yeah, who, gave, who gave this this amount of time? <laughs> this got, this got uh, eight minutes, 15 seconds. Maybe, maybe it didn't need to be so long. This was cut oh. off the VHS tape. Nice. This did not make, this did not make Coliseum video. Which again, by the way, Davey's always been big. Davey looks superhumanly freakishly large at this point. Like his back is insanely wide. Like I, I uh, freakish. He has he has stretch marks, not from being fat, from being too muscular for his body to handle. Mm -hmm. And that's the funny thing is like you watch him with the British Bulldogs, and he looks like four inches shorter than he is. It's it's just because he's so much wider, and he has his you know very well detailed braided hairdo. <laughs> Who the fuck are the Nasty Boys? Before they get to the WWE, because I know they're Hogan's friends. Post this, and this is why. And, and the, like their whole story seems to be, well, they were Hogan's friends, and so they got pushes. But they had to be somebody before they were Hogan's friends. Who the fuck? They were Vern Vern Gagne's. Uh, basically, they were jobbers. So there was Jerry Saganovich, which was a mid card wrestler in the AWA. Brian Knobs. Mm -hmm. They paired them together. They did some mid um, yeah, mid south stuff, maybe S no. South Atlantic Pro. Yes, South right. South there you go. So they they paired them together and they became the Nasty Boys and they won tag team titles. They had an infamous feud with the Rockers over in the AWA under the dying days of the uh, the Vern Gagne administration. As soon as the Rockers went over, they started you know uh, talking about their little buddies. So you had Pat Tanaka come over, you had Paul Diamond, you had the Nasty Boys. So they all just eventually came and, over. And the Nasties got stolen from WCW because they were in WCW feuding with the Steiner Brothers prior to this. All right, so you know they, I. I I thought, I, they I, were, thought they were WWF before WCW. No, Hall Halloween Havoc 1990. They had the classic match with the Steiners where they asked them, can you please make us look good because Vince is interested. <laughs> you know, I just, I wanted to throw that out there because I think, you know, the Nasty Boys gets kind of a bad rap because, you know, basically if you're under Hogan's umbrella now, history looks back unkindly upon you. But hey, look, as you guys are saying, the Nasty Boys had their own successful career before Hogan got his stink on them. So gay for the Nasty Boys. Um, in defense of the Nasty Boys with Mark Radovich. The Nasty Boys beat the Hart Foundation in 12 minutes, 10 seconds. I mean, look, this isn't going to win any awards for beauty, but it was serviceable. It was fine. It's a solid yeah. tag match, and this is this is the official big-time end of the Hart Foundation. They have one rematch on a Madison Square Garden card in June 91, but then this is the end, and Brett's on his own, and so is, and Jim meets up with another Hart soon enough. 
okay, let's talk about this. Let's let's have a therapy session. Wait, wait, wait. Before that, before that, mm -hmm. Brian Nobbs actually gets in one of the better promo lines ever in the match before where he says, we're going to deal with the stinking pink. <laughs> Perfect. Chris Bailey, there are things you can do on a children's program that will be fun for children, and it's fine, and you sort of accept that as an adult. And then there's a bridge too far. The blindfold match between Jake Roberts and the model. Nobody's dead. Is too stupid, even for children. No, I, no. Oh I bought, God, this match was I the this dumbest one. thing. So they're they're pulling out some old territory references here. So the old okay. blind gimmick has been has been used over and over and over again. So this is nothing new. What they did with Jake Roberts blinding him, had the sure. bad eye, the whole nine yards. So you didn't like the you didn't like the blindfold match. I can't believe what I'm hearing here. This is this is Rick Martel model at the height of his powers against Jake the Snake against this was who was like so vaudeville. This was Jake so wearing the, the white contact was awesome. Ooh. <laughs> that was that should have been part of his gimmick ongoing. That was I, amazing. I loved that the psychology of this of that of Jake pointing and people like like it was like Marco Polo the match. Yes, it was. It was. It was great. <laughs> Stolen from, you from Jimmy Garvin and Kevin Sullivan in the NWA. Sure. Tell me you did not pop when he landed that DDT. You tell me you did not. <laughs> tell me you did. Nobody in the history of wrestling got paid so much to do so little as those two idiots <laughs> flopping around <laughs> that ring like vaudeville actors. Pat, set this douchebag straight. The, the only negative you have on the psychology and presentation of this match is when they're feeling out the masks at the beginning and Jake puts his hand in the mask and you actually see his hand through the... Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, they're not blind, huh? Yeah. Hmm. This match went, let's see here, eight minutes and 34 seconds too long. And not as painful as watching the Bulldog and the Warlord for that long. Still no, needed to be about five no. minutes shorter than it was. After about two minutes of nonsense... Uh, this comedy routine, I was done. I like that they ripped Martell on commentary for when he actually got a hold of Jake and sent him in for an Irish whip. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he going? And Gorilla's like, what do you think you're doing? Do you think Gorilla and Bobby, like off camera, just looking at each other going, why do we work for this stupid carnival company? This is dumb. Well, these guys were eating yes. it. They were eating this. They love this. Come on. What did you say, you say Pat? At certain points, yes. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, the Undertaker, having made... Wait, uh, did he show up at the previous Survivor Series? I didn't look. I didn't he showed up the previous Survivor Series. Okay. That was his big debut. Uh, okay. Also, since he's technically a dead man, do I count him as dead on my tally sheet? <laughs> yes. Yes. You if do. we're counting The Undertaker, it's six. If we're not counting The Undertaker, it's five. So uh, The Undertaker beat the murderer in less than five minutes, and this is the beginning of the big Undertaker streak. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not calling him by his name. He mur murdered was, that poor woman. He doesn't get credit on my podcast. This was the first. He tried to disguise himself here and wore pants. It didn't yes, work. The copper still got him. The copper <laughs> still got Jimmy Snuka. He executes the, the sloppiest top rope springboard I've ever seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like, poor, like he's supposed to get caught where Taker can switch him over and hit the tombstone and just flails at him, basically, <laughs> slipping off the top rope. And I'm just what, like, what, what are they well, let me. Wait, why are they hanging on the stuck at this point? He's clearly – I mean, like, he was a top star in 81. Why are they hanging listen, on to him at this point? Vince because he Vince hasn't Vince implicated Vince in the murder cover-up. Go ahead, Chris. Bingo. 
Yeah, like, listen, Jimmy Snooker here. I mean, you talk about a guy who, like Pat said, he screwed up this springboard suplex. So the whole idea was he's supposed to leap off the ropes. Undertaker's supposed to catch him, deliver the pile tombstone, okay? Mm -hmm. He catches him. He sets himself straight, puts him into tombstone, and then he kills that motherfucker. Like, he (laughs) kills him. He spikes him intentionally, like he's like, "Fuck this guy!" Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Is Snooker done after this? Is this is this the last? No, he's still he's still hanging around. In fact, at a January 1992 house show I went to, he wrestled Shawn Michaels. Oof! Oh my God, poor Shawn. Um. All right, moving on. In our co-main event of this entire affair, we have the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage. Um. Look, Randy Savage is is the proverbial guy that can work with a mop. Um, and I just got count up to nine based on participants in this match, and I'm not including any of the referees like Joey Morella either. I'm just including um, talent. It's 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 the best match on the card by a country mile. Uh, Randy Savage again is like <laughs> Randy and Sherry, man. Just just the VIPs, the you know the, the Mr. Most, and Mrs. WrestleMania. They really are. Um, yeah. Savage goes crazy trying to um, get Warrior over in this match, and Warrior gets the victory. But that's not what anyone ever remembers from this match. All anyone remembers is Sensational Sherry having a fucking enough of that loser, Randy Savage, who can't win the big one. <laughs> and she kicks him, just throws him a beating. What an angry woman she was. She t- took off her tassels, you know, her sparkly tassels, throw him down. It was like, I am going to beat this man from pillar to post. And she lost in, her meal ticket. And in comes Miss Elizabeth to save the day. And never has a wrestler acted so well with his eyes than Randy Savage. Just, never. just them are having an argument over who should ro- hold the ropes for who as they got out of the ring, all with their eyes. It was so, oh. my God, how emotional! People crying in the audience as they reconcile. I've recently, like, I just stopped crying, like, before this pay-per-view. <laughs> it was, I'm telling you right now, I cried like a baby on multiple rewatches of this thing. It just hits me right into, mm-hmm. and you know what? They did a tribute to Randy Savage and Elizabeth not too long ago. I think one of you guys may have shared it, but uh, it was absolutely, by the time they got to that part, I was crying again. I, I can't get this out of my system, man. This was just a moment of moments in wrestling. Uh, you could have ended the show at, w- with this. Nobody was crying if you did. No, it's it's the best Nobody thing ever. To- Nobody talks about the promo after. I don't know if it was just on Coliseum or what it was. It's only on Coliseum video. Oh, so good. So he gets to the back. Is it Mean Gene that's that's actually doing the promo with him? And he's saying the kingdom and madness is cracked in half. You know, everything, everything that I have is gone. But I now I have the only thing that matters to me, Miss Elizabeth. And you're like, oh, oh, Randy, Randy. (laughs) He he did on commentary. You know, this is really great. This is even better than Love Story. If you like that kind of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but what side is he on? All right. Anyway, and what, um, whatever happened to the orange-haired woman in the crowd who was openly weeping? Oh, the, the one in the blue blazer. Yes, they they <laughs> must they they must be they must be literally paying her like royalties because she's on so much footage. Or the, the, the kids dressed like Macho Man with the glasses on. Yes. Yeah. Iconic. So much bad in the next few years, but this is, this is one of the high points. This is one of those things where even if you're like me at this time, you're really starting to lose interest in wrestling. It's getting a little too dumb. One of the, this, one of the cool this, things this is great. One of the cool things that warrior doesn't get credit for in this one though, his, mm-hmm. his gear where he's got the savage knee pad, the warrior knee pad really heavy on the airbrushing, which is awesome. And then he's got it on his tights. It's the WWF title, but it says around, it means much more than this. Cause it's a career ending natural losers got to retire. And I was like, Okay, way to give this one some epic feel, boys. I like it. Can we just so talk good. about the Warrior for a second? Um, I was re-watching this, and it's it's a great match. B- Savage bumps his ass off. Warrior really works hard. 
like Savage and Warrior. It's, it's a shame in this universe it things don't work out with the Warrior because Savage and Warrior were a license to print money together, and they really could have had a long feud to do that, and it, but it doesn't work out. In any case, my point being, Warrior, I know that going into this psychologically, he wasn't doing well. If you if you remember the Dark Side of the Ring and uh, the A and E special, he's having divorce issues, house issues. He's not in a good place, and coming out of this, he's going to get even worse. It doesn't seem like he wants to be there. And like he doesn't run to the ring. He walks out. And even like he is like, why isn't he running? And like when he's not wrestling in the match, and you kind of look at his face and you see him walk around the ring, he's like, I just want to get this over. He just to me, he came across like, I just want to get this over with. And then when it was over, it was like, okay, well, I'm not here any- I won the match, but who gives a shit? This is now Savage's moment. And he just walks to the back. He's like, all right, done. Yeah, if you want to gripe further about, you know, his booking and what they're doing with him, he has a very legitimate argument at that point where, yeah, I won the match, but the, the but Savage won the moment in the event. Right. And that's what ultimately people remember. They don't remember him kicking out of five elbow drops. They remember Savage and Elizabeth reuniting and, you know, all this tearful reaction from the crowd and Savage getting the soak in the moment. They don't, they don't remember, you know, Warrior won. <laughs> he had his foot on Savage, you know, covering him for that. They don't remember the part where he's – Savage kicked out of the, the gorilla press and the splash and warriors walking away. Like, you know, was this it? Is this my destiny? Like, do I doubt myself? And then they, there's a lot of good storytelling in that match. you said it's a great match. And there's a lot of little nuances in that that are awesome. Mm-hmm. But warriors got a legitimate gripe in terms of this was supposed to be my moment. And it's anything, but, but warriors have like the worst year ever in terms of snubs. He snubbed at oh, SummerSlam yeah. for Hogan. Yep. He snubbed at the survivor series. He's beaten at the Royal rumble. He gets and made to look very bad in that Royal rumble match. If right. you remember the booking for that one, where he actually gives up and then it's like, Oh, well he didn't give up. His foot was under the rope. Like they really went out of their way to bury him. He gets yep. nothing in between the rumble and, and mania. And then at mania, he snubbed again for snap for Savage. Like coming out of that. No wonder he wrote that letter to Vince. Hey, could you get, could you be done fucking me now? So I can maybe walk right, you know? And yep. I, I know people hate the warrior for any number of reasons um, that I'm not getting into right now. We've covered it at length, but like, I really do see his point of view. The yeah. more you look at it, like he Absolutely. legitimately had reasons to be in the bad headspace He was post mania seven. Very legitimate gripes. Yeah. Okay. Um, coming out of that uh, kind of our, our inter- post intermission match to get things part two of the show rolling, we get um, Tenru and Kitao Kitao. His name's Fred. Thank you. And <laughs> and demolition. Uh, this is less than five minutes. Uh, this ain't one. demolition. This ain't demolition. Oh yeah, this is smash and crush. Ugh. This is shit. Less said about this, it. the better. Let's just move on. Um, Big Boss Drew hits man. a power bomb. Bobby Heenan is great on commentary. Uh, Big Boss Man does not win Oof. the title against Mister Perfect. Uh, he wins by disqualification. Kurt, Bobby, Andre. This seemed like a missed opportunity here, man. This seemed like a perfect time to crown the big boss man, to be quite honest with you. He was super popular. The crowd was digging his whole gimmick. He was dropping some weight here. He looked great. This was his time, man, and they passed by it, and it's a shame. Yeah, and remember, this was the replacement angle because initially his feud was supposed to be with the now-gone Rick Rude, and instead they shifted it to Mr. Perfect as Rude was, you know, fired, whatever, in the middle of that angle, and then they – and it worked out because those two guys, just great friends in real life, had a great chemistry together. They have a great match on Saturday night's main event leading up to this. And it's all because of Heenan making fun of uh, Boss Man's mother. <laughs> Simple stuff that everybody can understand, guys. Sure. Uh, hardest working man in WrestleMania history, Greg Valentine, gets beaten by the earthquake. 
because uh, we're still because we're still pushing him. Tally. Yep. Uh, and then we move on to having just come into the pro- to the promotion the year prior. The Road Warriors, also known as the Legion of Doom, defeating Power and Glory, the team of Paul Roman Hercules. And in 30 seconds. This is a crime, because I'm telling you right now, let's talk about Power and Glory. Absolutely fantastic gimmick. One of the best tag team finishers of any team, the The Powerplex. I'm telling you right now, amazing, amazing, amazing. Paul Roma, you talk about a guy kicked to the curb and not given opportunity. Yeah, you know what? He was a dickhead in the back, but guess what? He backed it up in that ring. You, you name a bad Paul Roma match, I can't. They're all great. Everybody I think saying Ric Flair will try, but they're wrong because they'll tell you how good Mongo McMichael was and shit on Paul Roma, so well, they have I, zero credibility. Well, I want to take this opportunity to kind of defend Paul Roma here because it's like everyone gives him shit for being the horseman that shouldn't have been a horseman. Please. And, you know, and he, and I, didn't Paul Roma actually connect with the audience? Like, Yeah, isn't this, you know why he didn't fit as a horseman? Because he looked good and he was a good worker. <laughs> what I'm saying is like yes, Paul imagine. Roma actually got over and this is yet another situation where despite you getting over of your own volition if the, the powers that be want to shit on you they will and it doesn't really matter if you're selling t-shirts or not yeah exactly think about, yeah think think about it L- listen was there anyone any better built in WWE at the, or WWF at that time than Paul Roma absolutely there was not he was he was jacked stacked he could go Super to that top heck. rope he could do it all he could do it all. He was amazing. And uh, he was wrestling in this match with, a, was it a staff infection or an injured torn. elbow? He had, he, had, he had a torn tricep that got yeah. infected. Yeah, he was like hurting in this one. So he came in and he still took that damn, um, oh my God. Doomsday device. Doomsday device. And he took his, I mean, they took his head off with that thing. It was amazing. So too bad, Paul Roma. But man, we. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to let you down here. I, I'm going to back you up. I love Hell Paul. yeah, Paul. You're the man. Hercules too. Hercules in this one, this was his perfect going away party. And too bad they didn't give these guys the belts. People listening to this podcast, like, yeah, it's an interesting wrestling podcast. They defend the weirdest people. Um, (laughs) Power and glory, man. I'm telling you, I'll wear the t-shirt all day. All right. Um, In the speaking of being free at last, Virgil defeats Ted DiBiase by countout because this was the hot hot angle everyone wanted to see. Virgil winning his freedom from from Ted DiBiase. Sure, why not? He was Was taking care of his sick mother. That's why he did all this demeaning stuff, man. Was was Virgil anything prior to being uh, his his heater? In, In the WWE or in general? In general. He was Soul Train Jones in Memphis. Okay. Yes. Where he did like an Apollo Creed Rocky Ford gimmick. Did they, is, there something, is there something in this one where he goes, is Virgil, I'm, 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 I'm thinking this in my mind. I'm hearing, do what? You told me, get up. Is that in this oh, one? Oh, that's this one where Roddy Piper had just had a, a motorcycle accident that basically cost him a hip, but he was involved in helping Virgil become his own man and stuff, and he comes out to the ring with Virgil. DiBiase assaulted Piper after the match, after Virgil you know, got the DQ win, and then Virgil takes the crutch away from Piper. He's like, do what you told me. Get up. And in hindsight, it just looks terrible. It's like, no, he has a crutch because he just got a hip replacement. Like, <laughs> why are you taking this away from him? It's like, you get up on your own two feet. Like, you'd be a man. And, like, it's like, okay, I I, I guess I see this, but this this doesn't this doesn't age well. So did Soul Train Jones always suck, and that's why they used him as yeah. a heater because the guy couldn't wrestle? Yeah, correct. Okay, moving on. All right, the Mountie. I'm the Mountie. I'm brave and I'm strong. I'm the Mountie and I enforce enforce the, the law. law. Yes, you have to put this, some inflection in there, Pat. Uh, you can try to run, but you can never hide because the Mountie right. always gets his man. Let, let, let me tell you something. Was is there Banded any better Canada. music? 
Is there any theme music any better than the uh, the Rougeau brothers back in the day when they turned heel? <laughs> no, we did a all American. Of course, that to be included. All American boys. There's nothing better. Underrated. All right. Well, the Mountie gets a, a squash win over Tito Santana because they're gonna. We're building towards the feud that everyone wanted to see: the prison match between the Mountie and the Big Boss Man. But we're not there quite yet. All right. Here we go. Um, so allegedly P Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter had some killer boot camp matches where Hogan, where Hogan dressed in like fatigues and shit. Yeah. And a gas um, mask. Yeah. I, I remember people talking about that. Like, like their house show feud was, was something to behold. Um, after this, yeah, this after was this. actually a role reversal because Sergeant Slaughter, who was he fighting against? Was it, was it, the, who was he, who did he Sheik. come back with? Yes, it was the Iron Sheik and uh, Sergeant Slaughter, which they basically did the exact same boot camp matches as Hogan Slaughter with, with the roles reversed. It's good news. I thought General Adnan was dead. He is not. Okay. One so less tally. Is memorable for me after rewatching it. First of all, I don't give a shit about this match. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. Boy, boy, if there was ever a situation where I could care less about a WrestleMania main event, it's this one. Um, I'll take Bundy Hogan all day long. That at least had a story. This one, I they they're playing a story. What are you talking about, Willis? Yeah. The, the story was real life, and it really didn't need to be a wrestling angle. But it has um, Regis on commentary. Will you sure stop? It does um, anyway. So I don't care about Hulk Hogan, and I don't care about Sergeant Lord of the Turncoat. And the only memorable thing about this was at the age in which it's taking place with the with the audience they're trying to attract, Hogan's face full of blood, just busted yeah. wide open. And I'm like, who thought that was a good idea? Everybody. Yeah, that I was guess. great. What are you I, talking about? There were kids in the audience, man. Why do we need to see Hogan busted open? Because this is a real situation. You got to understand the gravity of it, man. These yeah, Iraqis sure. are bad people. Yeah. That's right. They had to go down. And in a, like a crimson mask, he's waving old glory. My God. Yeah, I'm Canadian. I want to wave old glory. glory. Yeah. Come on. I, I, I was American was during this one, by God. This was, this was better than Sheik Tugboat. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I guess that was what the plan was going to be. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did talk about that once upon a time. You know, Chris, I'm going to let you guys to sort of finish off talking about this match. But I, um, people talk about people talk about like the worst WrestleMania matches in history, and everyone talks it. about no. Every, they, everyone talks about Hogan Bundy, and they talk about some other ones. Like this is this, this is not great. It's no, not only the worst. I don't think it's the worst, but I don't love say, it. I am going to say that this is one of Hogan's best. WrestleMania matches, wrestling-wise, because he had a killer match against Slaughter, who was bumping similar to Kurt Henning in this one. You talk about how great Sergeant Slaughter is in this. He is, like, selling his ass off. These guys worked their ass off in this match, man. This so, Sar Sarge has retired a year after this to let you know how long he's been around. He really huffs and puffs and does everything he can in this match to get it over. He is Chuck. You talk about a man trying to pull his ass together to make a good match. That's Sergeant Slaughter in this one. He's trying, he's pulling out everything out of his bag of tricks. I'm telling you. I will take I will take Hogan Bundy over this. I will take Hogan Andre over this. Obviously, yes. Hogan Macho yes. over this. I will Absolutely. take Hogan Vince over this. No, okay. Hogan Vince is very good. So don't don't let's not act like we're putting, you know, a, a crappy <laughs> match in there over this. I, will, I will and take, Hogan I will Rock. Take this. And, and Hogan Rock. Hogan Sid is not better than this. Hogan Sid is not better than this. Okay, well, Hogan Yoko is five. not better than this. I didn't put right. that in my five. <laughs> just, it's oh, not the worst boo. match ever, but it's I will not take this over. I will take this over WrestleMania 1. Yep. The tag match. 100%. I will take this over Hogan and Bundy. Me too. And I like King Kong Bundy. 
as a match, it's better than Hogan Andre, but you know, it's Hogan Andre. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not better. I, I put it I put Hogan Andre above this one. Yeah, I won't take it over Savage, I won't take it over Warrior, but I'll take it over the rest of those, and I'll take it over Sid, and I'll take it over Yoko, and I'll you know <laughs> see I mean, was, was, over Muhammad was Hogan, was Hogan man, Yoko at nine really a match though? This man is wrong. Did he win the title? We'll get there eventually. <laughs> this this I'll take it over. I'll take it over <laughs> Hogan and Beefcake versus the, the 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 Money Inc. I'll take it over that. Again, not a main event, but um, you know, the main I, event like, anywhere in the world, according to Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, hey. oh, <laughs> come on, come on, Radlich. That's my two cents, Pat. Finish it off here. Your thoughts on Hogan Slaughter, and then we'll end the show. So our death toll for this event, in terms of not including commentary or referees. Is nineteen. Oh, that's depressing. Oh. That is a staggering number. We have how Terry many? Of them, how many of them don't make it to sixty? Uh, I would say everybody who died didn't make it to sixty. Oh no, Road Warrior Animal, I believe, just passed at sixty-one. If I'm not okay. mistaken. But we've got Kerry uh, Von Eric, Dino Bravo, uh, who Kerry uh, Von Eric, Dino Bravo, Brian Adams, aka Crush, Randy Savage, Sherry, Miss Elizabeth, The Ultimate Warrior. Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, Mr. Perfect, the Big Boss Man, Andre the Giant, Bobby Heenan, uh, Hercules Hernandez, Jim the Anvil, Neidhart. Uh, am I missing any in there that I didn't go back and see? Pat, can you answer a question for me? Sure. Power and Glory versus the Legion of Doom. Who's the only man left alive? Paul Roma. You're welcome. Isn't there a WrestleMania where like everybody's dead except for Hogan? I, not everybody, but there's one of the ones that has a bigger body count than this, apparently. And I am sadly not looking forward to doing that body tally either. But again, this is the last of the glory years where everybody was on the good stuff. So this is yeah. why it's kind of such a high. And I don't know. I think this is why this one sticks out to me as much as it did. Maybe mm -hmm. because a lot of these guys were lost so quick after, like Kerry and Dino. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. With a bag of syringes. Woo. All right. So yeah. the next. So the next. A couple of gunshots to the head for each of them. So the next uh, podcast we're going to do is eight and nine, and it's, it's this is going to be an ugly podcast. Rick Flair ruins everything. I so I I sent you like about a month or two ago. I did all the art for these podcasts. You can see the art behind us, and it'll be the the thumbnail on the YouTube and all that. Um, I did all the art for all of these, and the next one I did actually has a big picture of Hogan versus Flair with the WrestleMania logo because that's what it should have been. Not according to the house show receipts. How so Schmout shows. Um, oh, no, we're going to have a disagreement on that one, sir. I broke down the money. Anyway, so, so you, you, you we'll compare Hogan. Okay, yes, we will. Yes. So so the next show, we got to talk about the steroid trial. We got to talk about the lost opportunity of Hogan uh, Flair. And we have to talk about the rise of Bret Hart and the uh, intramural years of, of Yoko and Lex. It's a mess. Both on Arsenio. It's a fucking mess the next two years. So uh, and then I called this the rise and fall of the Ultimate Warriors show. Um, he's not quite fallen yet, but he's tripping and losing his balance. By this the is end a of scepter, with a scepter to the head and a home run. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, before we That's go, what that stuff was oozing out when Papa Shango put the curse on him. <laughs> <laughs> it was his hematoma breaking that was that calcified during that explosion of the scepter. Pat mentioned before that we did a Metal Hammer of Doom and just wrestling music. And you can find all the wrestling music that we talked about. Where, Chris? You can find that on AmazonMusic.com, which I hope has listened to this. Listen to this. So I do ring announcing for New Evolution Wrestling. That's right. That's a plug, guys. You're welcome. I didn't even get paid for that. But 
you know, sometimes that, uh, you know, I have my own theme music, my own theme music. That's right. Who's who's here on this show? Mullen should have his own theme music. He should because he's buff. I don't know what what kind of theme music will we give that this douchebag up here. What what are you giving him? <laughs> this, this is this, this is my red. this is my theme music. <laughs> we'll give him we'll give him uh, Dino Bravo's theme. There we go, Dino Bravo, <laughs> the hardest working man in WrestleMania next to Greg Valentine. I bet I I bet you that Mark Radlich is selling cigarettes out of his house. Look into it, people. Ultimate WrestleMania six should have been the ultimate warrior versus Dino Bravo. Just saying. Um, <laughs> in Montreal at the forum, <laughs> oh, I right. give up. I give up. All right. Anyway, we were trying to talk to you about a great deal that we're giving away here on the metal on the um mania of WrestleMania, and that is a 30 day free trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, click the link in the description of this podcast, which is get Amazon slash WTM network, and you will have a free 30 day trial. You stream all the wrestling music you want. You want to hear Adam Cole's Here Comes the Boom Baby. It's on there. You want to hear uh, Girls in Cars. It's on there. You want to hear Ameri uh, Real American. It's on there. It's all there. A hundred. I want to hear years. Ass Man. I'm an ass man. Dun, dun. Yes, I'm an <laughs> ass man. Woo! Um, that was John. No, no. Nobody wants to hear that. Progressive conservatism way back in the day. Anyway, it's all there. Get AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network. Next month, uh, the mania of WrestleMania 8 and 9. Blah. Um, tomorrow night, Pat and I, we're going to throw Chris Bailey off the raft. And we're going to talk some boxing like real men. And we're going to talk about Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Oh, good. So that's coming up. Uh, you can check out our previous three shows on the Four Kings. We talked about Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, who punched out a horse, and Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, who Marvin Hagler was really, really mad at for a really long time. So I'm uh, going to say something here. I'm going to plug you two guys. So yes, the history of boxing is unbelievable. So I literally watched a documentary on Muhammad Ali last night. These guys show is far superior and far more detailed than anything that was ever on there. So take Pat. a listen to the history of boxing. Oh, no, no, man. This, you guys have it going on there. So that's well, thank you. That's that's literally why I'm on this show, because I wanted a piece of that action. <laughs> if you if you um, have just tuned into this for the first time, we've done the Mania of WrestleMania 1, 2, 3, and then we did one show for 4 and 5. Um, going forward, like I said, we're going to be bunching. We're going to be bunching up all of these, except for WrestleMania 17. That gets its own show. Um, in some cases, we're going to do three in a row because 14, 15, 16, uh, and, and, and 10, 11, 12, uh, sorry, and um, I think 11, 12, 13 are the, are the, 11, 12, are the two 13, where I did. Yeah, yeah I think right. 10 gets its own show, 20 gets its own show, and 17 gets its own show. But 11, but 11, 12, 13, we group together, and 14, 15, 16, we group together because yikes, those years. All right, that's it. Um, Pat, uh, I, I, it wasn't a shitty show, Pat. The show I was I was working on before we started this was a triple feature of westerns. Goddamn you! It was Cry Macho, um, Concrete Cowboy, and I don't know that Macho a western, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> did you like that poster I sent you? I did. It's <laughs> hilarious. Randy somebody, Savage. Uh, if you ever seen the picture of Randy Savage looking longingly into the sea, uh, somebody used that picture and put the logo for Cry Macho by Clint Eastwood on there. <laughs> it's perfect. Anyway, that went up. Um, our review of the Magnificent Seven went up. We'll be reviewing Lucifer tonight, and um, we'll be. Wait, did you just review the Magnificent Seven? 
No, that was from a few years ago. We re-aired. I was going to say, didn't that come out in like 2017 or something? 16, and yes, it's a re-air. Uh, and then lastly, Chris Bailey, if he can get his shit together, if, he, if his wife doesn't want attention and can actually watch AEW Grand Slam. I'll be there, actually. We'll get a live report from Pat Mullen. But Chris Bailey is supposed to watch AEW Grand Slam and talk about it the next day with me. If there's no customers and if his wife doesn't want uh, attention and we can get five minutes of Chris Bailey's time, we will review AEW Grand Slam featuring Kenny Omega versus uh, Brian Danielson. I'll be the guy who walks out during that match. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my plug. Chris Bailey, what you got going on, son? We got us the Superblog team up coming up over on October 20th on a Wednesday. We're talking about all things hell-related, so comic books, if your character is a demon-possessed agent, if he's fighting demons, if he is a demon himself, by God, if he's Johnny Blaze, if he's Ghost Rider, it could be all a part of Superblog. Team Up Goes to Hell, that's October 20th, and that stars all the fun folks from 27th. the podcast. It's October 27th. No. Right. Yes. Yes. Stop this, man. It's October 27th. 27th. Stop. So well, this podcast has now gone to hell too. So great, <laughs> great. Anyway, it's coming up sometime in October. That's all I'll tell you. So look forward to that. There you go. There's already 19 dead people on the show we just watched. Uh, and that's Pat uh, Mullen. He doesn't do anything else except hang out with me. So and and walk out on Kenny Omega matches. That's what he does. So for Pat Mullen, for the Canadian Canadian Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. I'm Mark Radledge. This has been the Mania of WrestleMania. Be well, be safe, and behave.